This is Helen Chen, and you're listening to Top 5 Comics Podcast. Welcome to Top 5 Comics Podcast, people talking about comics, pop culture, and events. With us today, we have the master of disaster, Josh45. Yo! And CBS. I don't have a cool yo for you, but hey. You need to get one, man. No. Uh, See, today we're going to be doing episode number 152. See, today we're going to be going over the Fantastic Four, number 24. This is the uh, 2020 run. And uh, Nightwing, number 75. Homesick Pilots, number one. And Maestro, number two. Uh, Maestro's Im- is Marvel Comics, Homesick Pilots is Image, Nightwing, of course, is DC, and Fantastic Four is Marvel. Um, see, before that, Josh, you got any news? I do. My intro kind of leads to this one. Ready? Okay. This one, I think, is just hilarious. It has nothing to do with comic books or movies, but is amazing and nonetheless. But a monster wolf robot is Japan's last hope against bears. So I guess there's been major bear sightings in... Um, Takikawa, Japan, and so what they've done is they've made, like, wolf robots, which are about four foot tall and, like, six foot long, and they to scare the bears away from the human settlements, which I thought was hilarious, because I know you love bears, but also, um, monster wolf robots sounds ridiculous. Like a terrible idea waiting to just attack people. That's the craziest thing I've ever heard ever. Well, they're just like, they're just like, they're just like, oh! Like kind of like kind of they don't do much except for like to scare because like you mean yet because one of the one of the things that bears are scared of is like wolf packs because like sure they're dangerous uh, instinctual I didn't know that there was bears or wolves in Japan I mean what's that panda bears so I mean wild they don't have bears that's China oh is it is it okay where do red pandas come from is that China too red pandas yeah those are are basically just red. Those are just basically red raccoons, but, but uh, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I could I could Google it, but I'm just like no, let's, no, just you're, go, you're good. let's just go with. The, hopefully, they're everywhere because they're the most adorable things in the world. They so. are. They are fantastic. Right, hopefully, God just rains them down like rainbow kisses and lucky charms across the whole planet. They are the cutest things to watch. They're they're great. insanely beautiful. Yeah. Yes, you're right. They're just like falling over, being idiots. Like it's great. Yeah. yeah, there's all kinds of videos on YouTube. If you guys never have never even seen one, if you're having a bad day, just Google Red, Red Panda. Panda. Yeah, it's fantastic. There you go. They're they're awesome. That is the craziest thing I ever heard. But okay, so robot monster wolves <laughs> to defend the people of Japan. Okay, I mean, sure, why not? So the crazy thing that I did see, which not sure how I feel about this, because okay. everybody's on board with this human being. For some reason, he's untouchable right now, hmm. uncancelable, so to speak. Okay, but Keanu Reeves is supposedly on track to be in Constantine Two, which, uh, yeah. It's, it's a little weird. Peter Storm, Stormar, who portrayed Lucifer, um, is claiming that Constantine II, the sequels on, is a thing, and it's potentially setting up DC's Justice League Dark. <sighs> but here's the deal. So, I understand. Okay, everybody's going to be like, whoa, the DC multiverse, and there's multiple Barry Allens, and there's this thing, and like, whatever, and they had like... Till Flashpoint happens, okay. it's not a thing. I know. 
but I think Constantine exists outside of that. Not anymore. He used to. He used to, when, when Vertigo was still a thing, Constantine touched the edge of the universe. No, no, no. But he... But, but has there ever been more than one Constantine, though? Not that I'm aware of, no. There you go. That's my point I'm trying to make, is that, like, I get multiple Flashes, I get multiple Supermans, I get multiple Green Lanterns, I get multiple Batmans, I get multiple whatever, but there's never been multiple Constantines. Constantine's always existed as just Constantine. Right. Am I correct? It, unless I know, unless you or me don't know otherwise, I I've not seen a different and Constantine. As we have this conversation, if somebody listening to this is like wants to pipe in and give us, be like, nope, an issue enough, blah, blah, send us an email or Instagram or Facebook message or whatever. Comment on Podomatic. Yeah, do it, whatever, and we'll like we'll discuss it and we'll look into it because I I don't know, but like I think he's always just existed as just the only John Constantine. Best I can remember, the only time there was ever, that I'm aware of, the only time there was ever, like, sort of two, was when a demon was impersonating John towards the end of the Hellblazer run. But it was a demon impersonating John. So, it wasn't really another John. I don't necessarily remember there ever being another one. And I I have to assume that kind of like Swamp Thing, I think maybe he's a singularity, but that's never been something I don't think they've ever, ever actually ironed out. But, with all the convergences and all the flashpoints... I do not remember ever seeing a John Constantine that was a different John Constantine. However, I do not remember seeing John Constantine mixed up in any of that. Um, I want to say Convergence was probably still when Vertigo was running, so he wasn't technically mixed up in everything else. I mean, yeah, he still connected to Swamp Thing, but he didn't show up on Batman's doorstep. So that it was until more recently with New 52. But I don't feel like that's ever been ironed out after that. New 52, of course, is after Flashpoint, so... It was staying the reason there was multiples, but I do not remember them ever showing this one. So I have to lend that idea there's I feel, not. I feel like that's something they could maybe touch on in a future issue of something, where sure. like a lot of those, uh, like, effigy, or, like, you know, the demon. Um, Etrigan? Etrigan, yeah. Um, so the rhyming demon, yeah. Him, and, like, Constantine, and, like, some of those more supernatural, like, swamp thing. Sure. You know, like, some of those cooler, like... I mean, the, basically, the, a lot of the Justice League dark characters. I, I mean, I mean, not necessarily Zatanna, because wasn't she wasn't she part of Justice League Dark? She is, yeah. Her and Wonder Woman both. Well, not but, the first Wonder Woman, not or not the first Justice League Dark. Oh, the first volume. Yeah. That's okay. She was until the, the more recent one, yeah. right? Um, Detective Chimp, he'd be one. But he, like, he was in Justice League Dark. Just okay, Detective Chimp. He's he's cool too. Same thing. Like he's. There's not multiple. There hasn't been multiple versions of him. And I know. I know they're not like most the most popular characters. So like people haven't really touched on it. But just like there's like forty versions of Superman, forty versions of Green Lantern, forty versions. Of, you know all those things. It's just like, but it's kind of neat that like maybe that's like, maybe I'm giving DC fodder, cool whatever. But like there's like a potential for hey, there's like these characters who exist like. In a different realm that, like, there are always going to be a Batman, there's always going to be a Superman, but there's, like, there's one Constantine, there's one, you know, like, even, sure. like, even, like, Tim Drake, almost, is, like, there's not, like, there's not multiple versions of Tim Drake, well, necessarily. We've seen multiple Tims, um, more, most recently when the, uh, Young Justice was jumping through realities. So we've seen multiple Tims. The only characters I remember, so back which issue was that? Cause I don't, I don't remember that. Um, I, I never saw another Tim Drake unless I ever saw. Yeah, he's got different colored hair. It was, it was, oh gosh, issue 10 maybe? 
It might have been an issue where we no, it, but it we was, first get the name Drake. Yeah, but it wasn't Tim Drake. It was it was. No, it was Tim. It was another version of Tim. I they called him something else though. No, they, called I don't, him, they called him Drake. That was the name he was using. Yeah, but it was a different character though. No, it was Tim. He had the different color hair, but it was Tim. I feel like the only ones we haven't seen others of. So at one point, DC did a book series called Fifty Two. It was just called 52. And in there, we ironed out the idea that Kyle Reiner was a singularity. Donna Troy was a singularity. They tried to make Jason Todd one. That didn't really stick so well, though. But the idea with that is that if one of them died in one universe, then they just get repropagated from another universe, but they didn't exist at the same time, which is how Donna Troy has died and come back so many times, I guess. And then Kyle was one of those two, which, interesting, but that came from 52, and I don't necessarily feel like that's still technically a thing. I mean, New 52, we kind of skipped and dumped a lot of stuff off, so that, I think that probably went to wayside with it. But even that series, they did the same thing with Jason Todd. So, as far as singularities, it's something they've they've dealt with before, at least for a few characters. But back then, we're still talking John Constantine not being part of regular regular continuity of stuff. So, I mean, it'd be an interesting idea that was the case. There's only one throughout the universes. I do kind of wonder why you'd pick now to do a movie. I mean, Keanu Reeves, of course, is popular, super popular right now. And, like, superhero movies are popular. But that particular franchise, I think it's weird to go back to, especially when we have such a successful version of him in the TV series. Because I feel like, other than the that one season being aired on the Raw Network, I feel like... Matt Ryan is much better John Constantine. He doesn't I, have the power. Oh, I, I mean... Star-wise, he doesn't have the star power. So, yeah, so we haven't even gotten there yet, but, like, that that's the whole thing is I was saying about, like, Keanu Reeves can just do no wrong right now. Because right. everybody's like, oh, he's a... I mean, he is, like... I, lo- I mean, I love oh, Keanu Reeves just like sure. anybody. You know, like, you know, whatever, like, the... Any any movie that he's doing is, is you know, like, the John Wick stuff is good. Like, whatever. Like, I mean, he's, he's good. Like, I, I, I love me some Keanu Reeves, but, like... Sure. But Matt Ryan, like, murdered. Oh, yeah. He's so good. He killed it. As that TV show was so good. Yeah. And it's just like, then he, like, carried on the voice in the animated when they, when he finally finished out, which, again, another thing that I didn't know that, like, all the animated stuff was building up to one big thing, which I didn't even know. I thought they were all separate things. Right. But him being Constantine and that was awesome, too. He, he's the epitome to me, like, in the comics, like, what Constantine is. And, like, you know, Keanu Reeves did it. I mean, well, people might be frustrated with what I'm having to say right now, but, like, he did a terrible job as Constantine. He wasn't British. He wasn't blonde. He wasn't an alcoholic. He wasn't an asshole. He was just, like, he was just kind of like, hey, like, hey. It was just, I don't know. He he wasn't the nicest guy in the movie. But he wasn't wasn't the level Constantine is in the comic books at all. Which he is. Or yeah, ridiculously yeah. a terrible human being. Well, I mean, yes. And, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so it's just like, it's hard. I mean, cool, if if you're going to do that, like, then do it. But, like, you know, again, my point with that is, is, like, the Matt, Matt Ryan version is proper Constantine. If you're going to have, like, multiple Constantines and multiple multiverse things. Sure. That's what I'm trying to say. Like, you know, Ezra Miller and what's his name? 
in the t- in the WB show or CW uh, show. Grant Gustafson, uh, I think. They literally like were like, "Hey, look your suit, look your suit." They're like, they were that's basically saying, "Hey, we're gonna anything's a go now." Right. But Constantine's one of those characters that never. Best I understand, yeah, we haven't done that with him. So I mean, that's weird. Um, even when like he plays the he plays uh, Constantine on the uh, Legends of Tomorrow series too. And he cameoed in Green Arrow a couple times. Right. People, I mean, he he continues on. Yeah. So like, he was a whole, at least a season and a half of of Legends. So as far as the characters concerned, had that first series not been aired on the network, it was aired on, and they would just put it on the CW and let it be its own thing. I think it probably would have done better. Just in general. It probably wouldn't have had quite the production value because the production value on it was great. I mean, all the effects they did were awesome. Some of that stuff aired, and and I feel like, if I remember right, there's two pilots that air in that season, and I don't think that helped it. Had they just picked one and ran with it, then maybe it would have been better, but the first episode is so good, but then we get a second episode, and the second episode's like a double pilot, and we replace a character, then we move forward with the character. If you guys have ever seen the series, then you should know what I'm talking about. Because Zed wasn't the original girl. If you haven't seen the series, you really should watch it, because it is awesome. And if you like Constantine stuff at all, or just superhero stuff, John's, uh, he's he's great. Like, as a thing. But yeah, I, that's interesting. I do think that's a little weird. I mean, I guess we'll see if Shia LaBeouf shows back up or not, right? I mean, if you're bringing back Keanu Reeves for it, shouldn't Shia show up? Because he plays Chaz in that. And While in the movie, he didn't really matter so much. He's a it's a bigger character. I mean, John doesn't really have any sidekicks, but that's the closest thing you'd have to one. Really. Recurring characters and stuff, but... Sure. Well, like, his knees recurs, and there's recurring characters, but he's not like... He's more of a solo show than anything else, but Chaz showed up kind of a lot, and the TV series uses Chaz character, so... But, I mean, that's interesting. I don't necessarily know what to think of that, but alright. Crazy. So, that's what I got on that. Like, I'm just kind of surprised, like... Supposedly, they're going to potentially have in the Justice League film, they're going to have a Robin appearance of some sort. I don't know, like, how much more beyond that, besides, like, the Robin suit in the glass where it's, like, spray painted with Joker. Right. Graffiti. I don't know what they're going to do with that, but I don't, they're they're saying there's going to be a lot of things that happen in this Justice League, Zack Snyder's cut, which I know it's going to be four separate hour. Segment, so it's four hours worth of things. Right. But again, man, like, I, you're trying to fit a lot of things into four hours. Like, the regular movie, which was already long, but then on top of that, like, everything else that, like... Yeah, at least part of that's going to be stuff that's replaced with other versions of stuff. I, so, I know. Yeah, I, I don't I, know. But again, I'm just like... Oh, oh no, I'll give you. It seems, it seems to be the more and more things we hear, the more I feel like this needs to be, like, five hours, because if you're including... Catwoman, Green Lantern, Jared Leto, Joker somehow, and right? Robin. I mean, that's what I'm saying. They're just you're adding so much. It's crazy. Um, I did see a picture that got put out the other day, um, showing a comparison of Steppenwolf from the original version, the uh, theatrical release, and what the new Steppenwolf is going to look like. Right. And it looks freaking crazy. It's cool. I know. I've, I've, I've seen it. It, lo- it looks way more detailed and finished and polished. It yeah. looks, which was supposed to be the point to begin. I don't know why. You know. I don't know what the point was originally, like why they went the way they did and what, who okayed all that crap. Yeah. It's really bizarre to me because it's like, they, they said it was like 80 to 90% done when 
Whenever he took over. When Whedon took over. Which I don't know if Whedon just really was that much of an egomaniac, which is a possibility. I, yeah, that's kind of what it sounds I just, like. I just don't know. You know what I mean? Like, why? Yeah. Because, like, I mean, Zack Snyder, like, did have, like, because even, like, the the director cut for Batman v Superman was, like, way different than the actual... Yeah, editing-wise, it was different. And, and it, it made a lot more sense than the actual... Ver- I mean, I wouldn't say it was, like... I mean, it was better. I wouldn't I wouldn't say it was just, like, incredible, mm-hmm. but it was better. Yeah. But then, like, you know, like, why why not just, like, go with it? Like, what... I don't know what Whedon's point was, because, like, it, what, it's not Marvel, and he, like, he did decent Marvel, but even the Marvel movies he directed, I were, like... The weaker wasn't wasn't just Age of Ultron was the only one he directed or no he did the first Avengers Avengers and Age of Ultron both so both the first two Avengers movies and Age of Ultron is like to me is the weakest one of the of the Avengers films yeah. I mean it's it's okay like I don't I, don't, sure. I mean I, I liked it don't get me wrong like it was just like yeah I I just think that it's a good possibility that he was so high on his career at the time and like it maybe I don't I mean at that point he about. at that point he wasn't really that high but I I think that like. Maybe because Favreau was such a bigger and 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 Robert Downey Jr. like RDJ was just like they had so much more control. Like we need somebody to kind of run the directorial part of this. But honestly, like this is where we're going. So like, are we talking about Wheaton? Is that what we're talking about now? Yeah. Well, so? well, okay. well, we yeah. So we like with with John Favreau was like this is where we're going, regardless of what you want to do. If you want to be a part of this, then come on board because we know that you can direct the day to day. It's kind of like on a TV show, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I'm not really sure who was in charge of things like, at that point. Because even because because even at the end of it, like, really, like what they said was, you know, the brothers who directed like the, um, what's their faces? Are you the, talking about uh, Endgame and Endgame and Infinity War? Oh gosh, yeah, nice. Uh, yeah, but, but so so them and Favreau and RDJ were like the only ones that knew like the proper ending and all that stuff. And I think that Favreau and Robert Downey were just like. They were in it together for so long. Like, this is where we're going. And so either you're on board or you're not. And I think that maybe the, like, Whedon had a little bit more, like... Well, we had Fahey in there, too. And Fahey's since he got well, Fahey, he, just kind of, he, he kind of just let him do their thing. But, yeah. like, but I think that, like, John Favreau and Robert Downey Jr. were just like, hey, this is our jam. If you want to be on board, we're going to let you direct this because we know that you can direct the day-to-day stuff. But this is already the story... And this, you know, you're not like, and so when DC's like, "Hey, if you come do this, we'll let you do whatever you want." You know what I mean? Maybe they were trying to lure him away, kind of thing. Yeah, he was. They were already getting moving him out of the situation whenever they moved to number three for the Avengers. But yeah, I don't. There's too much weird unknown in there still about. You see, do you see? I'm saying though, like, yeah, like, like he he probably didn't he didn't have the directorial like control that you would normally have because like. Hey, stuff. this is the massive overall story, and this is where we're going. Like, and like they didn't screw it up like Star Wars did. They're like, eh, maybe just kind of do whatever you want. Like, right. they were just like, this is what we're doing. This is our master plan. Either you're on board or you're not. And if you don't want to take it, you don't have to, because those guys kind of. I think they had just they had it set up, man, and they did it the right way. Like Marvel murdered. They did a good job. So. Yeah, from the I mean, as far as the movies are concerned, they've done a really good job orchestrating things over there. And I'll give you. I don't think all of it's got a, a sheer plan from the beginning, but it's fallen into place well enough that it makes a really good ladder. And then you well, go to the Justice League, I think they just said, do whatever you want, because they looked at Avengers and said, well, if this dude managed to do that, well, here you go, buddy, do whatever you want. 
But so. up until that point, so many other things have been set in motion that, like, he didn't have control over. Oh, yeah. And we again. Had, what, the movie, the one, two, three, four, five movies before? Uh, no, four movies. Because we had Iron Man. One, Thor, two. Iron Man 1, well, yeah, order Thor, Thor, Captain America, I guess you Captain America, the Hulk. 1 and? No, 2 haven't happened yet. No. Hulk. So I guess we only have the 4. If you count Hulk, then... then the I think there's five. one more, though. For uh, for the Avengers stuff? Yeah. Not yet. Plus, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. have been on TV, so that was setting a lot of stuff up. Oh, they did have... Man, they did use the connector at the very beginning, they did. They actually, they... No. No, uh, was that, po- that was post... That was, that was after Avengers. Yeah, the, uh... The Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. connects to Winter Soldier, after. which is the other Captain America movie. No, it was, no, it was before that, because it was before Winter Soldier, after Avengers, because it basically takes place after... Uh, well, the beginning of it. After Coulson. No, so it it picks up after the... the after bear, Coulson's dead, yeah. After, so right after the first Avengers, because he gets stabbed in the heart in the first Avengers. Right. So, so it, it, where it connects is after Avengers, but during Winter Soldier, because when you get to the episode... Before Winter Soldier. Well, that's where it starts, yes. But during Winter Soldier, you, when we get the change of Hydra, that's when Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. actually got good, because the show flipped the week that the movie came out. The show had the but same also, thing happen. It, it also goes through, like, well, no, not even that. Like, it actually takes place, like, during all Thor the Dark World stuff, all that. There's a yeah. season about all that, too. Yeah. They, they, the first two seasons connect so well. Even the third one kind of connects. And then later at seasons, like, five and six, things kind of went their own direction. And the way I understand that, granted, I have not seen the last two and a half seasons, but the way I understand it, it kind of went its own path and doesn't really connect anymore at all. At a certain point, they kind of gave up on it, I think. Yeah. But Coulson was such a rad character. Yeah, it would be nice to see, like, some return for him with, with the, with in-game, but at that point, they were so far gone with it, like, I, I just don't really think she would have made it. Wow, that yeah. Was so rad cool. for, for him to do some sort of thing at the end of that. Just to show up, I mean, even if it's at the funeral, whatever. I mean, something. Right. I mean... No, I know, I, I know... Yeah. I know exactly what you're saying, so. As far as, like, new stuff, I mean, I've got a couple pieces. Um, so, uh, Mirka, Mirka Andolfo, which is the lady who's done, uh, Misery for Image Comics and Unnatural, and a book called Unsacred, which most of the articles aren't mentioning. Um, her and, uh, producer Eric, uh, Barmack, uh, who was, like, the vice president of Netflix for a few years. Um, his company, Wild Sheep, um, Contents, have teamed up with her to make a show called Sweet Paprika, which is an animated series. And it, the show is supposed to be about the misadventures of a career-driven um, woman, so Paprika, and uh, her running into a charming but immature delivery boy. So it's like her, the way the writer talks about it, it's her erotic misadventures. As far as like a series, they're going to be doing a comic book to follow it coming out through Image, so it'll have a comic book as well. And it's uh, her and Dolph are doing both those things. The thing that's crazy about it is that it's also releasing in a bunch of other countries at the same time underneath different monikers. Because, like, Image primarily is in the U.S. I mean, yeah, you can get those books in Europe, but it's not the same thing. So, like, the book series is supposed to happen in July, in July this coming year. And uh, in the U.S., in the States, it's going to be released through Image Comics. It's also going to be released through, uh, I don't know if I'm saying this right, Indesia Star Comics for Italy and a bunch of Italian, a bunch of, uh, other countries in the, in the, in the Midwest, or in the, uh, European, European side of the world. But it's all coming out at the same time, which is also something that's not entirely normal. 
So that's pretty impressive as a thing. Um, they're saying the guy's going to be directing it is, uh, Gabriel, uh, Panucci. And he's worked on Shrek and Kung Fu Panda as an animator. And, uh, How to Train Your Dragons. So he's done a lot of animation stuff. And he's going to be the one directing this. So I don't, I feel like there's a couple shorts he did, director-wise. But primarily he's been an animator. So there's a few screenshots of what it's supposed to look like. And if you know her art style at all, there's a comic book series that happened. I want to say it was originally released as like an Italian strip. So like, uh, think here in the USA, Sunday Funnies kind of paper. Um, it's been collected into a regular book. It's kind of like how they did Liberty Meadows over at Image. And the book's called Unsacred, and it's basically about a angel and a demon that are in love and how that doesn't work out, and it's situational comedy. In this, the devil is the guy and the angel is the girl, whereas in Paprika, it looks very much like she's the devil and he's an angel, um, the delivery boy. I assume that's just their characteristics being displayed as their their faces, but... Anyway, that's interesting. I mean, it's kind of a cool thing, and she's done a bunch of covers for DC as well, so it's neat. I think that's interesting, especially since we're asking all those platforms at once. That's really crazy. If you don't know that, in the grand scheme of the world, usually things come out and then they're released different places, different ways, or different formats, so having a launch that's the same everywhere is really kind of cool. Anyway, uh, so there's that. Sweet Paprika. Then uh, we got some news about Wonder Woman 1984. That's kind of interesting. Uh, so apparently the way we understand it currently is 1984 is going to be released on December 25th in places that have theaters operational. And at the same time, going to be released on HBO Max. So that's weird a little bit. Um, apparently it's going to run on HBO Max for a month and will not incur an additional charge to the service. Which is also weird. So, as a thing, I mean, I guess if you already if you already signed up for HBO Max and lucky you, you have a month to watch the movie before I guess they send it to disc or whatever. The whole grand scheme of that is, if you live in a place where the theaters are working, you really should probably go to the theater for it, especially if you want that to keep happening as a movie or just in general, because. Release in the world, that's kind of wild. It's getting to a point though, man, where nobody's gonna. I mean. Movie theaters aren't open. Movie theaters are closing. Like, what do you do? What oh, do you yeah. do? What do you do? With things like, do you release it on your own platform so people subscribe so they can see it just there? Yeah. Well, it seems like that's the direction they're going. I so. mean, really, what do you? What do? You, what else do you do? You know what I mean, yeah. Well, especially since it's already. I mean, the movie's been done and was supposed to come out what last July. So, and it's been scheduled a couple of times. This July. Down. This most recent July. Yeah, yeah. The most recent 2020. But, but again, I mean, what do you do? Like, because yeah. you know. It is crazy. Regal, um, Regals are closing down half, you know, most of their theaters. It's just like, what, what? Yeah. Unless somebody picks it up or changes it or whatever, like, what do you do? Like, nobody can go anywhere. Right. Yeah. With the current state of the world, it, it, I, I can see what do, you're doing. Do you, do you take the loss? Yeah. Well, at this point, they basically are. I mean, it might drive new people to the subscription service for the, for the HBO Max. Um, Which HBO Max is getting. I'll tell you this, HBO Max might end up being the one that really, really rivals Netflix because they're doing some really cool things. Like they teamed up with DC, so they have all that stuff going on. They have a lot of really cool TV shows coming out, but also like announced just yesterday, Conan, as of at the end of 2021, is going to quit doing his show and then he's going to switch his show to a, a, they're calling it a variety like talk show, like a once a week show on HBO Max 
Oh. So, like, he's one of the first people to, talk show-wise, to do a weekly show on a streaming service. That's so, crazy. Which Conan is, like, Conan's always kind of broken boundaries. You know, he going back to the 90s when he took over David Letterman on The Late Late Show. Right. Um, And then going to, like, he was, you know, he was The Tonight Show, and then Leno kind of screwed him over. Yeah. And that was a whole mess-up thing. Then he went to TBS, which is, like, one of the first times somebody besides... ABC, C, or ABC, CBS, NBC, like had, had a, a tonight, had a night, late, uh, night, late night show. So like he kind of changed that that aspect too, and now he's then he, when he was on TBS, he went from an hour show, like the normal format, to a half hour show, which it's like more more of a just a straight up interview show, right? Which has changed a lot of things, which is really really cool in itself. And then uh, now it's like he's going to just a str- the streaming service, which is man, things are changing. Out there, and it's yeah, it'll be interesting to see what it and, that, and that's just, I mean, again, that's just Conan, you know what I mean? Like, and I, and I love him, Conan, I'll always support him. He's he's sure. right, he's always been like against the grind, never been like the mainstream guy, so all of it, he'll have his always has my support. But like, going to an HBO, H, like, that's one of the first times it's been like a weekly show like that. So, you know, Rogan kind of did something like that with Spotify, he signed that exclusive deal. Which like his podcast is only gonna be coming on coming out on Spotify, right? But like it'll be video too, so you actually have to watch. Like get on your Spotify if you want to watch the video version of it. You got to get on Spotify to watch it. Right? He's not changing his format in any way. It's gonna be just it's his thing no matter what. But again, like just where you can see it and where you can get pe- access. People to are it. like, hey, we have to make money in a different aspect. So it's like, and they're even letting Rogan. I think is still gonna be have his own sponsors. So he's getting like, he signed that exclusive deal, but he still gets to have his own sponsors as well. That's crazy. Which is insane. But like, but Conan can do the same thing because Conan's podcast is doing fantastic. Sure. Like that Conan O'Brien meets a, or needs a friend. And like, it's been fantastic because like, he doesn't need to be on TV. He can, it's weekly. There's no, there's no ratings. He can say whatever he wants kind of thing. Sure. You know, like, and that's podcasts have changed a lot of things. Um, and so we'll see how it goes, man. Like it's it's kind of a crazy thing. Like, yeah, I I think it's really cool. Sure. I mean, I don't have HBO Max, <laughs> but I also you know I also still pay for cable, which needs to change. Like this, like literally tomorrow, yesterday needs to change. Like I, because I don't I don't need it. Like, sure. You you and me when we hang out besides sports, we don't watch cable. Well, now sometimes I watch the. Crime drama shows, right? But I mean, but but if you get like Fubo or you know like sure. uh, Hulu, Hulu Plus or any of those things, they have all those shows and channels on there. So it's just like you need to spend two hundred dollars a month on cable, right? Just to flip through the channels and watch something that you can watch in any of those other services. Yeah, as long as they have NCIS and the Chicago PD, we're good. <laughs> I know you hate both those. I can't laugh with you. I hate those shows. So that's all right. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, the world's uh, it's a it's definitely a weird kind of. I don't know. It's only a matter of time before we see another version of cable just through the streaming service. Maybe, but, maybe. No, I'm, 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 I know. I'd be surprised if it wasn't. But, maybe a lot of people said that stuff, but like, yeah, it's all still new. It's only a matter of time. But it is interesting. And, people say that about a lot of things, and like things have just been like, oh well, this is just a thing, like. You know, like the idea of being like, hey, I just want to watch sports. That's the only thing I like. I watch on TV and sure. periodic movies, which is me. And just like some of the like Fubo, 
who, hey, if you're people you want to sponsor us and hit us up, was like, sure. But like, I, I just want to watch soccer and football, you know what I mean? And basketball periodically, like, but that's all I want. Like, everything else is kind of whatever to me. Like, they're the, they're the sports favorite. Like, you can go through and like, see what, like, do you like film? Do you like TV show? Do you like drama? Like, they like kind of broke them down, which is the best one. And like, to me, like, again, Fubo was like, seems to be the sports favorite because you can get all the, all the stri- soccer channels and red zone and, and then like your ABC, NBC, ABC, you know, ABC's that, the, and ESPN. Sure. All for like, I don't know, like, I think it's like 60 bucks a month or whatever, which is like, Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. Su- super good deal. So it's just like, you know, everybody has their, their niche. Like some people like, you know, Netflix because they have, you know, I, I like Netflix, but I've been using my parents. Like, you know, they have, they have the comedy thing. That's their jam, but they have, they have some really good original series though, too. Sure. Stranger Things, well. but, uh, well, I mean, that's, that's a good one. But then like, I know Hulu has some original series. Um, Amazon has some, oh, yeah. Amazon has, uh, What's the that's the superhero one they do the the uh, they have the boys the boys yeah I mean they just everybody has something right that's like their thing they have a newer one too with Nick Frost called Truth Seekers so I'm interested in trying I did I yeah I I actually yeah but it's decent I think you will like it yeah man like even like but Netflix like we we you know if you want to get a little bit more into the Netflix situation we did like in a special episode for Never Been Done podcast sure um, a couple we, episodes we, ago yeah we went into that and like. I mean, Christmas Chronicles two comes out like in a couple of days. You sure, know, like fantastic. They, they, but they have, but they have so much. They, I mean, they kind of st- again, like like Marvel did it. Marvel started doing it a certain way and stuck with their guns. And Netflix has just been their way for so long. Sure. Which is like you know what I mean. So it's just like they're kind of like, hey, we're gonna do original content. And we're gonna stick with our original content, which which is cool. Like Christmas Chronicles, the first one was awesome. Yeah, well, it's good. And now they're doing a second one, and it's the same characters and the same actors and stuff. It's like awesome, cool. You know, like Home Alone, Home Alone Two, kind of thing. Like they're actually they're like their holiday, they're like new classics. Like th- like that movie was good. It was oh, really really good Kurt, Christmas Kurt film. So awesome. You know, so um, man, it's just people are gonna have to be like, this is my jam, and like go with what works for them. And you know, any right, there's gonna be a time when it's just like we got to kind of combine stuff, but. Yeah, it's a matter of time, but as far as the thing, it's an interesting. So people are going to start teaming up, right. little by little, to like to beat out the smaller ones, kind of thing. But I don't know. Sometimes I, uh, it's just so crazy. It, it is. It's a crazy time, and, it, and internet speeds, I think, are going to dictate a lot of this. Sure, it makes perfect sense. So that'll be an interesting thing to get to once we get there. But yeah, it's crazy. I don't have anything else news wise. I mean, there's a bunch of weird speculation in the world about DC, but. I don't want to talk about that, so. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's it's weird. So fan. Fantastic so Four. Move into the uh, Fantastic Four, issue 24. Just to let you know, there will be spoilers. So issue 24, which is cool, because it kind of takes place after um, they helped defend the planet from the Kotati. Like yeah. That, that the, whole storyline was the Empire. Mm-hmm. Empire. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, you get your Franklin, your Valerie, and then you get obviously get your Reed and Sue and Ben and Johnny. Sure. And also, this episode, this issue, this episode, get to see some little little Bobby Drake. Right. You get some Ice Man. Uh, who's one? Of, is this? Who is it? Still Dan Slot right now? So this one's called Cold Snap. It's kind of an intermittent issue, which is really really cool. And it's written by Dan Slot. Um, it's drawn by uh, Paco Medina. And it takes place after 
Empire. Empire. And um, Ben and Alicia are married, and they've adopted two young kids that they rescued from, like, a basically gladiator planet, similar to, like, Planet Hulk. Right. And Johnny has, like, found his soulmate. It's a it's uh, the Winged Sky is her name, and I'm not sure... I don't about know that storyline. Yeah, that's something. That and then, but weirdly, they know they're soulmates, but like they haven't really even gone on a date yet. So I don't know. What that's all about Franklin Richards at this point is like really into like the teenage like um, mutant scene. So he's been hanging out at Krakoa a lot. The two young aliens that um, Ben and Alicia have adopted are Joe Ven and Nkala. Right, girl and boy. Girl and a boy. So it starts out with Johnny and um, the Sky, who's Sky, a, yeah. um, are flying through the air, and he's like, uh, "Thanks for being my plus one to this. I don't want to show up alone." And she's like, um, "I don't know why you're so afraid. Um, it's a celebration." He's like, "Well, oh, the paperwork's finally cleared." And Joe, Nikki, they're officially Ben and Alicia's kids. And then it goes to you know Alicia, who um, you know, she's 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 a former artist, and she's loved Ben forever, regardless of what he was what he is, and uh. Then you have the the young girl who's a scroll, and right. like he's like helping her. She's she's helping her try and dress, and like, what do you think about the color? She's like, well, I don't know if I like this color, and you know, she, like she comes from a like a a slave planet basically, and so she's just like used to be like looking beautiful. Like, well, maybe you know, Uncle Reed can like make one out of unstable molecules, and you can change the color, whatever you want in the future. But like right now, we gotta how's it fit? And she's like, if it's great, and she says, remember if you shape change it, it's not gonna change with you. So yeah, it's a it's a it's a new thing for her having a piece. Of, they she calls it a fancy garment, and it's just like a nice dress. It's not like that. It's not really that fancy, but for her, it is. All right, it's and then pretty cool. And the next, the, this is one of the cooler. Like I mean, this whole book is actually I thought was rad. But the next panel is like is Reed in the workshop with Valerie, and they're like he's like this transmission design of yours is revolutionary. And he's like, well, I've incorporated some of the Grievous teleporter tech with. What we learned from studying the Cree Omni Wave Predictor, and it's like you realize that she is just her dad in a female version, and incredible, right? And well, like age wise, she's still they're all still young, so like yeah, it's 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 wild. But Sue comes in and is like, "Read Val, they're here. Come on, dinner time. Let's go." And then it goes back to Johnny, and he's like, we're all one big happy family, except look at me. Like, I'm the only member of the Fantastic Four who isn't married or with kids or, you know, it's time I, he's like, in, you know, and, uh, Sky's, Sky's like, just like, whoa, oh, what's up? <laughs> we haven't even, and he's like, no, no, I guess I'm not saying that. Like, I just, I need to kind of get my act together. You know, like, I've always just been like the hot head. And, and then it goes back to like, you know, um, the young boy who is, um, Nkala. I think that's how you say it. And, uh, like, Ben's just, like, helped him pick out his outfit. Because, you know, while, you know, Alicia was helping the, the young girl pick out hers. And he's just like, behold, I've chosen the blue and white uniform of the New York Yankees. And he just starts, like, declaring. He's like, like, like it's a war tribe or something. He's like, yeah. we're the dominant on the field and have gained my allegiance. And he's like, oh, yeah, go team. Yeah, like, I like, declare uh, this from day four. The met- <laughs> Metropolitans who are like New York Mets. Are my sworn rivals and relish lying wait for them in their series of subways, which is like, you know, if anyway, it was baseball, the Mets and the Yankees, whenever they play, they call it the subway series. Yep. And I said, um, Joe, you know that, that, that uniform, which is, it's just a shirt you can put on whatever you want. And he's like, I have more than one garment. What kind of unruly world is this? What unbridled decadence? And then 
<laughs> like, you know, these kids are just like, they don't know. Right. But anyway, it goes back to Sue talking to Reed and, um, Valerie and she's like, guys, come on. We got, we, and you're all dirty. <laughs> you you, you got to get clean up. We, this is this happening now. And they're like, well, you know, you could you just maybe, could you just make the dirt invisible? And she's like, uh, uh, no. And she like, she thinks about it for a minute. Right. She's like, well, no, go shower. And then she's like, Franklin, where are you? You haven't answered all, like, what's going on? And he's like, oh, I'm in Krokoa. And she's like, you're where? <laughs> and he's like, oh, yeah, I was hanging out with my friends. And, um, and she's like, get home now, like mom style. And she's like, wait a minute. What's that in your ear? And he's like, uh, nothing. And it's like, he's gotten his ear pierced. And she's like, we'll talk about this when you get home. And then so, so Bobby, um, being like, you know, the kind of camp counselor slash leader that he is, is like, I'll take you, I'll get you home. Cause you know, there's portals from Krokoa to, um, the rest New of New York, yeah. Re- re- well, rest everywhere, of her, actually. But like, yeah. he's like, there's one a few blocks away. I'll be home soon. And Bobby's like, I'll get you home safe. And so he's just like, oh my gosh, I've never ridden on a, you know, with you before. Like, I, Mr. Iceman, this is so cool. And he's like, yeah, just call me Bobby. And then like, they pull up to the door of the Fantastic Four's apartment and just like, members of the Fantastic Four recognize, please enter. He's like, who's apparently still a member of the Fantastic Four? Not so bad. And that's Bobby Drake. And, uh, so he walks in with them and he's like, hey, fellow Fantastic Fours, got him home as quick as I could. Um, I guess in the future we should, uh, check and see if it's okay for Frank to come over. So he's like, you know, kind of apologizing because he's been hanging out with the kids. And everybody's like, good to see him. But, the, you know, like, you know, Sue's like, what's up with the piercing, blah, blah, blah. But then, you know, uh, Johnny's just like, what's going on? Like, you're not a member of the Fantastic Four. And he's just like, but I, but I was one time. <laughs> I, I, I was actually. And it's just like, and then, you know, like the two, the two little ki- adopted kids are like, fire nice, fire for all. All battle for all ages. Who shall reign supreme? Because they're like they're used to fighting fights to the death, <laughs> right? And then like Johnny's like it didn't count. Bobby's like oh yeah it is. That's how not how I remember it. And they do this really awesome flashback where it goes back to like old timey looking Fantastic Four where they're all having dinner and like the mailman brings up fan mail and the thing's carrying a bigger bag of fan mail and and Johnny's like hey I'm the hippest one of the Fantastic Four. Nobody cares about you guys. And they're like, oh, wait, we have a winner. This is Marvel Comics saying that the month's, last month's issue of Strange Tales starring the Human Torch was outsold the Fantastic Four. And, like, then, you know, him being all cocky and the thing's like, that tears it and, like, rips out the kitchen sink and starts talking <laughs> trash and sprays him down, sprays Johnny down and, like, puts out the, you know, Human Torch fire. And he's like, whatever, guys, I'm out of here. And gets all, like, angry and, like, takes off and, like, he's like, all right, I'll see you later. We'll see you, blah, blah, blah. To see how good you guys can do without me. Right. And it's like just super patty boy style. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, and then it goes to a scene from like the Xavier mansion and like this very similar thing happens, but like Bobby Drake's like, I want to go into the danger room by myself. And they're like, all right, put it on this level. He's like, well, everybody else goes on a different level than I do. Like, well, you're, you're young, Bobby. Like, and the, they're actually being pretty cool. They're like, Hey, man, you're a lot younger than everybody else. Like, right. They tell him to put it on the. He's like, no, no, put it on strong, strong, the highest. I, I, you know, I want to, I want to, you know, prove to you guys. And so that, you know, he gets zapped quite a bit in the butt, and like whatever, and like everybody's kind of laughing at him. He's like, oh, you guys don't think I'm that good, so he takes off. Danger, danger room rules him. But but totally different, like situations, like completely opposite. And so, like, you know, like the Fantastic Four get a call, so they go out and they're like finding a a big tank of a. 
know, the guys in the yellow, what do they call the... Oh, AIM. AIM, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, like, you know, they go down there to take him out, and somebody shoots this, this tanker, and, you know, it catches on fire, and Sue goes in there with her shield to, to, to shield, shield the, uh, a young couple, and... Um, they're like, wish Johnny was here because he could absorb the flames and blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden, uh, Bobby comes down. He's like, oh, I'll help you out. And he, like, puts it out with his, you know, his ice powers. And they're like, oh, thanks for coming and helping out, man. Like, really appreciate you. You know, you're, uh, you know, I'll admit it's, it's a welcome change. Cause they're like, you know, they're used to dealing with Johnny's like hot headedness, which obviously, right. um, Bobby's all please and thank you. And can I? It's just very polite and nice. Yeah. And, and he's like, um, we, you know, you're part of the Fantastic Four anytime you want, and like you're, you know, your family now. And he's like, "Oh, really?" And so, like, he draws a little four on his chest. The, uh, Reeds goes, "Why not? We've got a big day ahead of us, and we appreciate all the help we could get." What do you say? He's like, "Are you kidding me? Count me in." And things like, "Welcome to the Fantastic Four, kiddo." And that's when, like, you know, as they're flashing back, Bobby's like, "Trust me, you don't get more official than that." I was full on member of the team. And then it like goes through like several other things where Bobby is a part of it because obviously and we see like a crazy bathroom montage where we see different battles with different bad guys and different uh, groups of and they make cool invaders jo- and they make cool jokes and it's like those were quick one offs all in the same day. You what you're describing is an eighties montage. You may as well have just been trying on different outfits, which like it's just like they're yeah, going that's, with what Bobby, <laughs> that's what that's what John what Johnny says when he's trying to describe the story. It, yeah, it's really funny because the way they talk about it, yeah. You know, but as they, you know, as they go forward, Johnny's like sitting in a diner, like showing off, doing his thing, and uh, like, hey, uh, looks like they already replaced you, kid, and like, and they're fighting some big guy, um, who kind of looks like DC's Imperiax, but uh, I think he's supposed to be a celestial, but yeah, kind of, yeah, but not very big. He doesn't have the. I don't even think to name him, but that's all right. But uh, they're all, you know, they're all fighting him, and all of a sudden, Johnny's like. That's it. I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go figure this out. And like they, they go, and they he, he like picks a fight with Bobby, and Bobby and him start fighting. And like fire versus ice, ice versus fire, fire versus ice. In the middle of the battle, with and the like, and then like, yeah. kind of like even the even the like the the bad guys going, what's going on? Like, <laughs> and finally like Sue like separates him with her like her psi powers, and they're like, okay, we'll figure it out. And Bobby's like, hey, I I wasn't even doing that. I was just kind of hanging out, and he started. And it's like whatever, and so he's like. Reed's like, I got an idea. This is how you do it. Like, one of you guys shoot flame into one side and ice in the other one. And, like, because it'll it'll disrupt the molecular structure, blah, blah, blah. It'll break this hammer. And that's just tethering him into this planet. And it does its job. And it sucks him out, sucks him away. And then as they're standing there and, like, Bobby and Johnny are like, yeah, well, you know, you're, you're not too bad, kid. Like, uh, Professor X is like, Bobby, we need your help. You did amazing today. Like, please come back. Like, And he's like, all right, I'm on my way and so he takes off, and they're like, um, thanks for this. Uh, Reed's like, thanks for this, Iceman, and please feel free to drop by whenever you want. Our door is always open for you. And Bobby's like, as he's reminiscing, he's like, and that's how we left it, with an open invitation to drop in whenever and be a part of, oh, I get it. That's why you're so upset. And, like, Johnny's like, I'm not upset. I'm he's like, this was never about me taking your spot on the team. It's because the Fantaxis 4 is more than that. It's a family. And Johnny's like, and it would have been been because I gave up my spot or nothing. But you know what? You really, that, that wouldn't be so bad because look at us. This family only gets to, gets better the more people, you know, become a part of it. He's like, Bobby, you want to stick around? He's like, of course, man. And it's like, which is cool because like, I, I mean, it really is like Fantastic Four is, it's a family. Right. It really is. It always has been that case. And it's just like, it's not, 
You know, like whenever they've replaced somebody or like done something else because somebody something happened to somebody else. Right. Um, they've had to ask somebody else to step in for them because of other things. So like in this last scene, it's just like you know, you got you know Franklin who's at one point, which which is weird in this, he's got super dark hair, but when he first started as a kid, he's blonde hair. Yeah, I don't know when that changed. I, it's it's been fairly recent. Like he's gone from blonde to like a brown to now this dark. Which I, I mean, which I get. I mean, I was born. With, the, I was born with blonde hair, and I, my hair got darker as I got older. So I mean, maybe, sure. but I, th- I still think that's weird, you know. But then, like, you know, you got uh, Valerie, and you got you know Ben with Alicia, and the, like the two adopted kids, and you got Johnny with his like weird winged lady friend. soulmate thing. I don't know, yeah, closest what? thing to girlfriend right and, now. And you know, Bobby. Weirdly, like they didn't touch on it, like. Bobby and Johnny have kind of been friends for a long time, so like the, the fact they were kind of like button heads in this, I thought that was a little weird. Yeah, just a flashback to a rivalry from the beginning. But they've always kind of been buddies, though. Like I've read a ton of crossover issues where they've been buddies. So, anyway, good issue, man. That was it. I, I like how it was one of those, probably like the last three or four episodes. I've talked about how like those standalone issues, like sometimes they're just really good to have. Like, I mean, I, I mean, I get, I like big crossovers and series, and, like whatever, but like. Every once in a while, it's nice to have a book that just, like, it just is what it is. Like, you can read this book, it starts from scratch, it zeroes you out, cleans the palette, and then you're like, okay, what's next for, for the Fantastic Four? You know what I mean? Sure. Like, there's things that kind of cross over in and out of it, but it's like, ultimately, this is a standalone issue. It's just kind of, it kind of just, like, lets you... Yeah, read it one and done style. Yeah. And I like yeah. that. I enjoy that. Like, there's not enough of that. And, like, again, like, I've talked about it a few times, but... So. Well, and it's it's good timing wise because it's like a, I mean we're in November now, so we have Thanksgiving, and it's close to maybe a Thanksgiving style style book. I mean that's right. not what they're celebrating, but as a thing they're celebrating the adoption of the kids is what they're celebrating and family dinner, right? But similar idea. How uh, you guys score for that book, Josh? Yeah, I get a four. Fancy, fantastic four. Sure. Get a four. Um. The art was cool, really cool through the whole thing. Like the writing was really cool through the whole thing. Like, um, you know, a five's a hard five. It's it's hard to give a five on books these sure. days. Um, this is a fun book, man. Like I I've always been a big fan of Fantastic Four. Like I like what they're all about. Like, you know, everybody's a little bit different. You know, like, you know, you got the Avengers and they're like a team. They're calculated. And you got Guardians and they're like. Inter, you know, interstellar, and then you got like space pirates, yeah, yeah, and you got like the X Men, and they're just like they're the outcasts, and just like, but Fantastic Four has always just been like mom and dad, you know, brother and you know, brother and just like kids, and it's like it's just been family, it's just like, and whoever's a part of it, like you're just family, it's just like, right, and that's you know, I, I always thought that was really cool, so sure, well, score wise, yeah, I mean, I give it a four too. It's 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 a good book. Like the writing is really good. Dan Slott's a good writer. I mean, he wrote Spider Man for years. He's a good writer. Um, art, it was really cool when we get the flashback sections because the art changes. And so we get, like, a different texture to it. And, like, Iceman with his boots, which then we looks like a snowman. Kind of awesome. So, like, I do dig the way the art shifts for the different time pieces. And even between the two different styles of the Fantastic Four and the X-Men have a different look to them. Right. So, like, really pretty cool. I, d- I definitely dug that about it because, like, the, the art shift is story element, which is awesome. And it's like, it, what's cool is it's, you know, a lot of times when they do this in a book, it's different artists. They'll, like, look, I'll, I'll you know, we'll hire somebody to do, like, pages two, three, and four for this guy. Sure. And, uh, and the, this same art, the whole thing. And, like, he does such a good job with um, changing time periods and flow. Yeah. And 
I don't know, man. It's good stuff. Like the art's fantastic. I hope he stays on this book because he fits it real well. So yeah, it's a good, it's, it's a good, it's a good, uh, it's a good pairing. Then the the backup story in this book is the Nexus War Thor. Yeah, which th- what that is is uh, there's a uh, an event happening in Fortnite, the video game. Which is the yeah, they're kind of doing the team up with Fortnite. To- yeah, we're smashing the, a bunch of the Avengers, uh, Marvel characters into. Fortnite, which so, just in case you're curious what what that's all about, that's a backup ish part of this this issue. So yeah. it's, it's kind of neat. I'm sure it's in a couple other ones, but this particular part, they've had other pieces and other stories, but this particular part where they set up the whole thing about Galactus is only in this book. So that's kind of cool. So that's that in this in this issue. So if you're curious about that, I'm not, not going to delve too deep into it. Sure, it's kind of a cool crossover thing that like I know Fortnite's pretty huge, so. Was it Fantastic Four 20, what? Uh, 24. 24. So, if you want that. Yeah. I know I know. there's a few variant covers. I know uh, Alex Ross does one, which I thought with that, that sp- particular. I want to say he had a couple, actually. But, yeah. He did He did a couple? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, I, I, I only saw the one, but. I think this is the one that had one for each of the Fantastic Four, actually. Uh, so, a Sue, a, a Johnny, a Reed, and a Thing. You know, you know me. I only, I only saw the one. So. Right. But yeah, it's a, it had a handful of covers for it. It's a bigger issue. It's got the backup story in it. So, but yeah, good stuff. All right, we'll switch over to uh, DC and do Nightwing. Cool. Uh, this is issue number 75 of Nightwing. Uh, it is written by Dan Jurgens, a fan show, show favorite. Uh, art on it is by uh, Travis Moore and uh, Rana Cleek, I think is how you say it. It's C-L-I-Q-U-E-T. So, sorry if I pronounced it wrong. Um, anyway, this is also a bigger issue. It's issue 75, so it's a double size issue. So I won't get one DC this week. But uh, when we first open up, we have uh, Aqualad and Donna, Troy, both meeting Dick Grayson. And we have a whole lot of, like, what's going on in the panel is a whole lot of inner monologue for, for Nightwing. And uh, if you're not aware, fairly recently, Nightwing has become Nightwing again. Um, so th- this kind of goes over part of that. So a few months ago, KGB sh- KG Beast shot m- shot him in the head. And uh, the shot in his head, he survived, but it caused a massive amount of memory loss and changed his personality drastically, um, so much so that he took on a new life as a cab driver named Rick. So he was Rick Grayson, had no memories of any of the Bat Family, had muscle memory and could do random things that didn't make sense that he could do, but he had no memories of anyone. Barbara, Tim, any of them. And uh, it persisted that way for quite a while. And then this particular book, this is after he has gotten his memories back for the most part. So he's like, he's happy to see both of them because yeah, all of his memories back, these are his friends. Like, these are people he hasn't seen in a while. And he's like, but I'm not really sure what I'm supposed to be to them. And so we turn the next page and we got the two of them in, in, in his room and they're both like, oh, it's so great to see you. It's so awesome that you're, you know, that you're back to being normal, that all your memories are back. You're 100%. He's like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm back to, I'm back to full speed and still getting my feet on like what I want to be in life. And, uh, Aqualad's, hey man, you remember all those times in the Titans? Like, you are our anchor, man. Like, you're what caused us to manage to survive. And he, like, he says, hey, check out this picture. And he pulls up a picture on his phone, and it's 
the team back when they were still the Teen Titans and all in their uh, junior uniforms. And right in the middle is Dick Grayson. He's like, dude, if it wasn't for you, we would have never managed to survive. Like, you're the one that kept us all alive. And he's like, those team, those were the best years ever. I wish we could go back then before we were Nightwing and Aqua I mean, and uh, Tempest. I do miss the simpler times. And we get some more inner monologue for, Jay, for, for Dick, and he's like, I don't know if I, I don't know if those times are the same for me. And then we cut from there to Russia. And this whole book takes place over a week. So the very first batch of story is on Monday. When we cut to Russia, it is now Tuesday. And uh, we are inside a bar, and of course we are there with KG Beast. And he is surrounded by a bunch of military hooligan types and mercenary types. And a few of them at the bars that were drinking near him all come over to him and they're like, ah, are you really the, uh, are you really the killer? Are you really, uh, are you really the one? Are you, are you the guy? And he's like, yeah, of course I am the guy. And, um, they talk about his claw hand and how he's, how being an assassin that never misses even using his claws is impressive, except that he did miss once because he missed the birdie. And so they start razzing him about having not killed Nightwing. And, uh, in the process of them laughing, well, KGB decides to kill all three of them. Uh, one with his hook, one with a knife, and the other one he smashes in the head with a bottle. So he basically kills all three of those guys, and they, as he's looking at them on the ground, he's like, well, when you, when your widows are crying, tell them to remember the cagey beast. And, uh, he leaves the bar. Um, so it's, I mean, it's, it's pretty impressive. From there, we cut to the next scene. Next scene is now Wednesday, and we are in Gotham. And here we have Batgirl Barbara and Dick Grayson in a in a costume, but it's not a Nightwing costume. Um, he's got the eye band, and it's got open flare arms with a red stripe down the middle. It's the costume that he was wearing when he was working for the Joker prior to him getting his memory back. And uh, Barbara's razzing him about the costume, and she's like, you're still doing Nightwing stuff. Why aren't you wearing a Nightwing costume? Why are you wearing that thing? He's like, well, this fits me right now. I don't know what I want to be, Barbara. She's like, "What? are you kidding? Like, you're you're back to full speed. You need to be, you know, get, get, your, get your ducks in a row, bro. She didn't say that, but that's what she means. And about the time, they spot a bunch of bikers um, that are still wearing Joker masks. They're what's remnants of the uh, assault of the Joker, the Joker war on Gotham. And Barbara and him are basically just going around cleaning up what's left of the Joker gang. And, uh, of course, Nightwing handles them pretty handily with his batons, and the two of them put him down real easy, and Barbara takes out two of them, and one guy pulls a gun on Barbara, and, of course, Grayson finishes him off. And uh, she's like, it's weird with you not being Nightwing. And he's just like, well, I'm always going to be here for you, Barbara. I just, you know, I don't know if that's me anymore. And he's like... In internal monologue, he's like, I, I know what she wants me to say, but I don't, I don't know if I can. And then we cut there to the next day, which is Thursday. We are 200 miles north of Gotham City inside of a plane. In the back of the plane, well, we have the KG Beast. He is suited up to parachute into Gotham. And uh, he does. From there, once he's in, he's, he lands next to a street, and he's walking down the middle of the road, and these two, two people in a car slam on the brakes not to hit him. And inside it's a couple old it's a couple old people. It's a husband and wife. And uh they're like, oh my gosh, we could have we could have killed him. We only just see if he needs help. And uh he pulls out his gun and he shoots both of them through the window, square in the head. He's like, hmm, I never miss. 
and he steals their car to drive into Gotham. So just two random people he killed out of nowhere just because he's angry. Um, so we cut from there to Friday. And so Friday, we are, we join Batman and, and Dick Grayson, also collecting remnants of the clown gang, so the who's left over from the Joker War. And Grayson is still wearing the, the strange costume. And uh, Batman's now kind of harassing him about what he's doing and if he's going to come back fully, he needs to just come back fully. And while they're doing the fight, he, he's like, yeah, it doesn't really matter what I'm wearing. And Batman's like, sure. Um, and they wind up chasing one clown who's sort of getting away. They chase him across a rooftop and they jump two or three rooftops. So they take that clown, that clown out. And, uh, we get a little more inner monologue and it's Dick talking to himself. And he's like, remember that Bruce and Barbara and the rest of your friends, they missed you. All they wanted was the best for you. And, uh, he looks at Bruce and Batman and says, all I want is, is for us to be whole. And Grayson's like, well, I'm not really sure what I'm going to be, but I'm, I feel fine. And then Batman says, if you say so, he goes, I hate it when you do that. Do what? He goes, get all passive aggressive on me. He's like, if you want to say something, just go on and say it. You don't think I'm fine? Just say I'm not fine. And, and he's like, and then Dick said, Dick says, I'm fine. And Batman says, if you say so, with a smile on his face, which you don't see Bruce drawn a lot with a smile in the Batman costume. But, uh, as he's basically making Dick review his own thoughts on himself by just being there, he tells him the, you know, the whole pressive aggressive thing, getting Grayson to think about what he's doing with this costume and whether he's coming back or whether he's not coming back. And the whole time Dick trying to prove that he's okay and that everything's fine. It's Bruce basically breaking him down just by letting him do it himself. It's pretty awesome. But yeah, that scene with him smiling after he says, if you say so, is just hilarious. Anyway, so they after they've taken out the clown completely, um, the two of them are standing there, and Dick looks over the edge of the roof, and he's like, you did this on purpose. You set this all up. You, you chased these clowns this direction on purpose to get me here. And Bruce is like, maybe I did. And he's like, why is that still there? And we see a shot from behind the two of them so we can see what they're looking at. And during the previous batch of books, whenever Grayson was working for the Joker, he was forced to fight Batgirl in like a a cage match kind of MMA setup out in the middle of nowhere. I think like a Braveheart with a bunch of fences and caged up in sort of a ring. And uh, that's where they're at. And you see in the top of the ring is Nightwing's costume tied up hanging down like Ladder cage match style, if you know wrestling. He's like, you just wanted me to see you, see this, to be here and see the scene. He goes, why isn't this taken down? And he tells him, well, Gotham PD is still dusting it for evidence and collecting evidence off the scene. They haven't taken it apart yet. He's like, you just wanted me to see this. And Bruce is like, well, yeah, I, you know, I, I wanted you to see it so you could remember. He's like, you don't need to research the tricks, Bruce. If you and Barbara need need to realize that I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And he's like, they have a little more little more conversation. It's really pretty good. Um, I'm going to fast forward a little bit. Then we get to where, as he's talking to Bruce, we see a flashback. And the flashback is Grayson visiting Alfred's um, grave. And he's talking to Alfred. And we have a third voice there that is just in the background. And uh, he's talking to the grave, and he, and he says, I, 
I can't believe the last thing I said to you was the, to basically bugger off. Um, I didn't remember who you were. I didn't know who you were. That last memory you have of me is me being a complete jerk and dismissing you, and I feel terrible for that. And uh, we see like a ghost of Alfred in the background as as Grayson basically apologizes for not remembering who Alfred was and for mistreating him the way he did, and how the last memory that the two of them share together was of of Dick being a dick. So, and he feels really bad about that. And uh, we get this cool monologue from Alfred, which is clearly in Grayson's head because Alfred's not really there. But he basically tells him that it's okay, and all I ever wanted for us was for him to be happy. And he explains to Nightwing the difference between him and Bruce is that he has the possibility of a life that with happiness where Bruce won't let it happen. And it's really cool because, like, it's a take on how the two of them are different in, like, a, I don't know, a, a retrospective kind of way, I guess. Because the two of them are, there's a lot of similarities between Nightwing and Batman. There really is. But the main difference is that Nightwing still has hope, and Bruce's, Bruce's hope a, is different. That's different, though. It was like Bruce brings on, and we talked about this with like times when we talked about Tim, or we talked about, um, you know, Jason, or even Barbara, or even Damien, like to to you know to an extent, Damien, you know, whatever. But like Bruce is Bruce. Like he'll always be just. The cold calculated, he's the Batman, but like he brings on these other people, I think, to pull him out of the darkness. Like he surrounds himself with hope, right? And like, and even his best friend in the whole wide world is is Superman. So Superman is the the epitome of hope, you know. Like, so he Batman knows what he needs is and that is hope. And so, like, you know, I think Dick was the first time, even before he met Clark, he was just. Dick brought to him pure, like, actual hope. Right. Because, you know, Dick's parents died as well. He never allowed Dick to go down that dark path. Like, he right. protected him. Like, in, you know, and, like, and Bruce did that. And I think that Alfred has something to do with that probably, too. Like, he's just like, we're not letting this kid go down the same path you went down. Oh, yeah. Like, part of the, part of why he's, why he's thinking about Alfred at the, at the graveside, even when he's lamenting his behavior when he didn't remember who he was, he says, you raised me half my life. Right. And that's, it, it was like he had two father figures, Alfred and Bruce or Batman. So, yeah, it's really pretty cool. And the whole, like, conversation between him and Alfred is really pretty neat. Like, yeah. It's 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 awesome. Um, but we see, like, when we when we in that part, he says, I, I like to think that you're still with me, and I hope that you understand. And, uh, we see Alfred put his hand on Nightwing's shoulder. Granted, it's a ghost or just a feeling. And he's like, I feel like you're still with me. And then we cut from there to back on the rooftop. And he's, and Batman's like, are you with me? You're still there? And he's like, yeah, I just think about Alfred. He's like, as I do all the time. That's what Batman says to him. So the still with me is Batman calling him back to the present. And he's like, yeah, I was just thinking about Alfred. And Bruce is like, yeah, I do all the time too. Like, all the time. And so, Batman basically leaves him there to make a decision about things. We see him take off his mask, and he basically takes the costume back. And he's like, there's something else I have to go do. There's stuff I have to go straighten out now. And then we cut to Saturday. And Saturday, we join um, other Nightwing. 
who's in the process of stopping a robbery at a uh, art gallery. And uh, this is African American Nightwing, the uh, the firefighter, and uh, he's he's doing good. He's taking these dudes down, using the batons, and one of the guys comes out from the the truck behind him with a machine gun and is getting ready to blast him. And from there, in drops real Nightwing, Dick Grayson, full costume, f- blue mask, everything, and he takes the dude out. And um, other Nightwings like, oh, oh, it's you. You're you're. He's like, yeah, I'm Nightwing. He's like, you've been doing a good job, man. He's like, I think you need to take me meet the rest of your crew. And so from there, after they finish off with the crooks, they uh, he takes them to meet the others. And now, if, you, if you're not aware, when Grayson was not Grayson, when he was not Dick, he was Rick, um, a police officer found the uh, Nightwing lair, which was an apartment building inside an uh, apartment inside an apartment building. In Bloodhaven? Yeah. There was a fire actually set by Rick, trying to burn the past, but the suits weren't destroyed because they're fire retardants. You'd think you would remember that, but whatever. So this officer found the suits and then elected some of his close friends to help him because they figured Nightwing must be dead and there needs to be a Nightwing. Um, so he introduces them to everybody and he's like, this is Team Nightwing. Um, Colin Edwards and her brother Zach, or Colleen, excuse me, Colleen Edwards and her brother Zach, and it's the uh, girl and boy duo that were wearing the other, like she had the f- classic flare costume with the yellow. And uh, he was wearing the other blue costume. And they introduced him to, 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 to Detective uh, Seth, I don't know how to say, Sap is what they call him. I don't know how to pronounce it. But um, he's he's the one that got paralyzed um, during the whole Talon fight. Um, well, at some point he might recover, but they've got him in a wheelchair for now. Anyway, basically Nightwing tells him that he appreciates all the work they did, but they need to stop. That he's highly trained and... While they are trained to do great things in their own respect, it's not the same kind of thing. And the world needs more firemen and more police officers than it needs superheroes, because you guys can act in a way that I can't. And so he basically convinces them all to stand down as Nightwings, because he's back, and he's going he's gonna to take up that mantle again. And it's a, it's a really good, like, the way he explains it is really pretty cool. I could easily see, eventually, us having a group that sort of travels around Grayson. I don't think it's going to happen right now, but it's really cool the way they leave it. And uh, the way he irons out their importance, I mean, as a fireman, he, t- he tells them, you run into burning buildings, man, like to save people. No costumes, no bravado, you just do it because that's what you do. And that's amazing. All really cool. And then from there, he's like, I have to go see somebody else. And, uh, from there, we join a purple-haired um, lady at a bar. This is uh, this is Bay. So, also, and during his life as Rick Grayson, he met a woman, and uh, the two of them fell head over heels for each other. And she took him in because at the time he was a destitute, not like bum bum, but the dude was living like breaking into houses and making money driving a cab, and not any type of semblance of normal. And uh, they built a romance out of that, and he reveals himself as Nightwing to her, explains to her about him being Dick and not Rick, and uh, in a previous issue, we had some of this come to light when he first started getting his memory back, and she asks him, well, where does this, you know, where does this leave us? I mean, you're a member of the Justice League. He's like, no, no, I'm not a Justice Leaguer. And she's like, you get what I'm saying. He's like, well, yeah, well, all my memories of you and me are still there. They're just blurry, and I want to build on those memories regardless. And uh, 
about there we cut up to the uh to the uh top of the building next door. And the building next door we see KGB's just standing there staring at the two of them. And he's like, Huh, I'm gonna kill I'm gonna kill you, I'm gonna kill you and your little friend. It was easy to follow you. I just had to trace you and once I caught you at the uh once I once I caught your sin, it was easy for me to follow you. And he's just talking to himself. He's, you know, I'm going to kill you, but this time I'm not going to shoot you. I'm going to feel your last breath on my face. So he's basically decided that he's not just going to try to shoot Nightwing. He's going to he's going to go for the full like kill hand to fist style. From there, we cut back inside the bar, and the two of them are trying to decide what they're going to do with their relationship. And he's trying to convince her that, that it can work and that he can make it work. And uh, partway through it, all of a sudden, the, mach- the front window smashes in. And he's like, oh, we're getting shot at. Get down. And so he makes her dive down. He puts it back on his mask and he tells her to stay put. And he goes out and then uh, we have a giant explosion happen. And next thing you know, there's a boot in his face, the end of a gun in his face. And uh, as he's getting back up off the floor, we see the KG beast has now got Bay. And he tells him that he's going to kill her first. That way he can watch her die because you care about this one. And uh, that's where the book basically ends with KG Beast having her at the ready to be um, put down. As far as like, I mean, as far as a series or as far as a book, like, I I like this book a lot, and maybe it's because I was so tired of Rick Grayson that I was ready to have Dick Grayson back, um, or Richard, as it were. Um, art's really good. I mean, as far as the interconnectivity between the characters, it's really cool how it takes place over a week and it gives us the different evenings and the different days of what he's doing. The whole reason he's been holding off of being back to being full Nightwing is because of the girlfriend, like, and how she would fit in a world like that and how it's never really worked before and trying to decide whether he wants to try to move forward as a normal person or whether he wants to continue to do what he's basically meant to do. So... as a thing, she's been the thing that's been making him question what he's doing. And now the KG Beast is there, of course, for a final showdown. You know the next issue it's going to be on. So that's awesome. Uh, score-wise, I give it a, a 375. I really love the whole the whole thing with the, 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 the Alfred Memorial. I, I love that piece in there. I love him and Batman talking to each other. I love Batman goading him. I think all that's awesome. Uh... I'm super happy he's back in the costume and back to being Dick Grayson, whichever version of Dick Grayson that's going to be. I think it's awesome. Uh, so yeah, I give it a four. I mean, I love me some Dick Grayson, or love me some Nightwing. That's probably a better way to say that. Uh, so yeah, so I thought it was fantastic. It's an awesome issue. Cover a lot of ground. Um, yeah, I think it's great. Uh, Josh, what do you know about uh, some Nightwing? Um, <clears throat> I was... Wasn't really caught up in what's going on with him, so this is a good catch-up issue. I give it a three seven five as well. Um, art's good. Like the weird little intermediate costume he had, I thought was like kind of interesting. It was kind of like wintery soldiery, which like a little bit with the red stripes on his arm. Yeah, yeah, which is, I mean, it's cool because it was like, I mean, Nightwing's kind of like Batman's first sidekick, which Winter Soldier, I guess, would kind of be. Captain America's first sidekick. Yeah, because so, like, I, I mean, I don't know if they did that on purpose, but it was just kind of like a montage or. You know, it's kind of, I, I, I didn't hate it. I, I, it, it served its purpose in this issue. Like, you know, obviously he comes back to the blue and black eventually and whatever. But, um, my question is this. I don't know 100%. But was the guy that was Nightwing 
like intermediate Nightwing? Was that is that the guy that was a Robin for a minute? Then he was no. That's Hutch. Um, the, you're thinking of Duke Thomas, probably, who was the, uh, he's the kid that was part of the Robins. Right, right, right. That's, that's Duke Thomas. Duke is the one that, um, was a puzzle breaker type kid, and then eventually the Robin gang happened. He was one of the main He was kind ones. of leaders. Yeah, he was like the leader of that whole group. Uh, he is namesake wise, he's currently the signal. That's his, uh, superhero name. The other one is David, uh, David Fox, who's Lucius Fox's son. He's the current Batwing. However, he's the second Batwing. The original one was a dude named uh, David Zombie. Uh, but yeah, the Batwing is like Iron Man. Batman has uh, wings, flies around a lot. Huh. That's uh, Lucius Fox's son. Okay. So yeah, so we got both those guys. And Hutch is totally separate. Like he's he's a firefighter that um, our detective roped into being the other Nightwing when he had the red costume. So he took the New 52 costume, basically, and took the arms off it. Gotcha. So we had New 52 Nightwing, which was Hutch. Mm. We had uh, Colleen, who was the one wearing, like, the 70s flare type. They gave the girl the open-cut one, of course. Nightwing. And then the other blue costume was her brother, Zack. So the whole group of them had different costumes from Nightwing, running around posing as him. And then the detectives, uh, uh, he also ran around in the Nightwing costume, too. He's the one that fought the Talon and got himself hurt. Gotcha. So yeah, all three of them were basically different Nightwings, just running around separate from everything else happening because they didn't really encounter Bruce really at all. Not that I, not that I remember at least. But yeah, so you were thinking of, of uh, Duke Thomas, who would make sense to me. I don't know. He would have fit as a Nightwing, I guess, but that's not who it is. So confusing. So many of them. Okay. Yeah, well, and why while this was going on, for a minute I thought we were going to get, like, Team Nightwing and it would be the four of them running around doing stuff, and I would be okay with a series where we had Nightwing and his other wings, I guess. Their band of merry men. Right. Um, best I can tell, that's not going to really happen, but I, I thought that would be kind of cool if it did. Because, like, Hutch is cool. He was Nightwing running around with basically axes. It was awesome. Yeah. I know, it's a little silly. Yeah, anyway, so you said uh, 375, is that right? Yeah. Cool. Um, all right, well, let's move on to Maestro number two. So Maestro number two, uh, written by uh, Peter David and drawn by German Peralta. Kind of, I would say it's a, a modern, a newer representation of the old school, like Hulk Maestro, like futuristic Hulk who kind of takes over. Um, this one, it's the Hulk woke up from a suspended animation in a future devastated by war. Most of humanity is dead, and only the super-powered beings who remain are kept locked up by AIM under the control of the decrepit MODOK. MODOK offered the Hulk sanctuary, promising that when the surface radiation decreases in the coming decades, AIM will rebuild civilization. But the Hulk looked out on a broken and empty world and decided it wasn't worth saving. So it starts out with, like, this futuristic Hulk who's, like, that longer hair and a beard, and he's just like, I thought Modoc was exaggerating, but he definitely wasn't. Um, I've known so many bad guys and so many good guys, and they all knew me, or at least I thought they did, but, uh, you know, we think we knew each other. We even think we knew ourselves, but the truth is we knew nothing. I should really get used to referring to Pandy in the past tense because uh, I have to say when it came to the subject of littering itself, uh, humanity did a remarkable, thorough job, and it shows a, him sitting on top of George Washington's head on um, Mount Rushmore and, like, all the massive, like, 
artillery shell holes and uh, broken off pieces and like, like obviously battle torn. Oh yeah, the faces of uh, Lincoln is on the ground and uh, one of the other faces is carved up to look like a skull, sort of. It's yeah, it's, uh, they're, just, they're all just shot up basically. Yeah. And so, um, him jumping, doing the Hulk jump from place to place. He's like, Hoover Dam got annihilated. Um, towns are flooded below it. Vegas, my former home, when I was, when I used to do Mr. Fix It when he was the Grey Hulk. Right. Um, not much even Mr. F could have done to stop this and like, you know, Vegas is trashed. He's walking through the, some forest and he's like, parks are also inha- uninhabitable. Poor dumb animals. It's like, it's not the animal's fault. Um, they didn't even understand why the things that were eating were poisoned and it's just those two, two deer. And he's like, um, I'm reminded of all the humans who believed in God, who thought they were doing, they were going to walk into the kingdom of heaven if they just obeyed his word. Uh, people who believe that, that God plan, screw you, God, you and your plan. You don't like my attitude? Then come and get me. And he like does that, like Hulk leap off into the distance. And then you, it's the next one he lands and it's like in the background is the Washington Monument. And uh, I was like, no matter where I go from coast to coast, all I see is evidence of hum- human stupidity. And there was no greater source of that stupidity than here in the nation's capital. You got off lucky, Abe. And he's talking to um, the Lincoln Memorial. He's like, they shot you. How was the play? Well, it sucked. But then they shot the president. So that li- livened up the second act pretty. He's like, kind of like make you know, like having this yeah, inner dialogue because yeah. he's been by himself a lot. And he's like, what the heck? Because he sees something move. Like, who's that? And he sees some kid with a, a mask on, like, run. Like, like a breathing mask, sort so, of. Yeah, like a oxygen mask with a, and a, you know, a tank and everything. And, uh, he chases after the kid and he sees the kids lift up this little, like, hatch and drop down below. And then it shows, like, oh, there's a trap door. It's tight, but I can make it. And he squeezes through it and he's climbing down. And all of a sudden, like, somebody else halt and, like, flashing lights at him. And he's like, oh, perfect. He's like, okay, wait, wait, hold up. And like they all like shine his lights on. He's and he turns around. He's like, "I'm an itch right here. It's driving me nuts. Focus your fire there to be great. Thanks, because you know he's Hulk. So he's expecting them to shoot at him. Yeah, yeah. hurts him. And then out of you know out of the darkness, uh, Machine Man comes out, and he's like, "Machine uh, Hulk's like, hey, very amusing. You know, we fought many years ago, but I look quite different then." He like, calls him Banner, so yeah. And so he's like, oh, Machine Man, like, yeah, you can call me Aaron. Welcome to the bunker. I'd invite you to stay, but our resources are very limited and, you, and would preclude you your needs, I think. He's like, you're looking good. He's like, yeah, well, being immortal will do that to you. He's like, oh, I don't know. I'm immortal and I look like crap. You know, Machine Man's like, well, I suppose I prefer immortal to artificial, but the later is really the more accurate because, you know. He's Machine Man. He's yeah. Machine Man. He's like, so where am I anyway? Is what the Hulk asked. He's like, approaching the White House. Well, or it made to the White House. He's like, yeah, the vice president and the president are all dead. Um, the cabinet, Congress. Um, basically, all these quarters are populated by descendants of the White House employees who escaped down here when the bombs started flying. He's like, we have enough supplies to last us another 17 years. Although I've, I calculated that with your likely caloric intake, it would drop to 3.9 years. He's like, yeah, I get it. Wait, what's that? That, that, that That's a city. And that's whole point on the screen. He's like, Formerly New York, it's now called Dystopia. It's res- by its residents. It's constructed by its overseer. He goes by the name Maestro, which is interesting. It's, like, it's Italian for master. Like, I know what it means. You don't have to worry about me eating your rations. I have, I have, I have to go meet this guy. And so Holt goes on his way, and he's like jumping along and doing his thing. And all of a sudden, he starts getting dizzy. 
He's like, oh man, maybe, maybe I maybe I push myself to limits, or maybe I just I don't I don't know, I need to rest. Or he's like, what's that noise? And then all of a sudden, like a, a swarm of bugs come out and they start attacking him, and they're like really like tearing his flesh away. And all of a sudden, there's like some sort of a some sort of a sonic weapon that like kills all the bugs and pushes them all away. And he's like he's like I, I, I and just he stumbles down and these these people like load him onto this truck and. They're talking about how heavy he is and everything, and they bring him into town. He's like, they're like, hey, uh, you're awake, but uh, you know, you, all your wounds are healed. He's like, yeah, I, I, I kind of do that. And he's like, well, well, I'm Boz. Who might you be? He's like, I'm Bruce. He's like, that doesn't really quite fit your name, but this is our settlement. We haven't given it a name yet, but there's no, you know, there's no contamination here, and we're trying to get the plants going again. And, he, and then you know, Bruce asks, like, what's so? What's this dystopia? He's like, ah, oh, it's a. That's where it's at. That's where the maestros rule in that place. They say he's a god. He's like, oh yeah? Well, I really gotta meet this guy. And then it like, it flashes to a different scene where it's, I assume Professor X? And, yeah. But they're calling him Gramps. And somebody named Janice is talking to him. And he's trying to play his harmonica and it's like, and, and she's like, hey Gramps. He's like, hey, I, I almost had it. He's like, I already know. And he's like, I, you, you need to know. He's like, I know everything. I need to know. And he's like, there, there, there's plenty. Like, I, for and he's like, not. He's kind of not making a lot of sense. And he's like, uh, he's back. And he's like, who's back? He's like that green guy I used to love. And he's like, Oscar the Grouch. He's like, no, no, the <laughs> the big hulking guy. That is like, what was his name? He's like the Hulk. Like that's it. Uh, Deckard said he walked right into the town square, big as life. And then it shows Hulk in what what would be Times Square. In uh, what they call dystopia, about old New York, and people are like, "Who are you? What are you doing here?" He's like, "Yeah, I'm new in town. I want to meet Maestro." And like, you don't just meet Maestro. Like, I'm sorry. Do I look like nobody to you? And the guy's like, oh, "No, sir." He's like, they're "Like, are you the Hulk?" And he's like, "Who wants to know?" Like, I'm, I'm the minister. The Maestro dispatched me to bring you in, so somebody's been watching him. And this guy's like crazy, huge headdress and purple cloak and big red thing over his eye, and basically takes him like. I don't know where he really takes him up on this mountain, like a uh, big, big, like Olympus looking thing in this big palace. And there's people all around, like looking like Roman soldiers and a big, you know, whatever. And, uh, it's like, Maestro, your visitor's here. And it's like, and then you, you hear behind the curse, like, is it him? I was like, I believe it is. It's like, banner. And now from behind is like, it's been an age. And you get the incredible Hercules right. who looks. The exact same as he has for he's, however long. He's a great god. Yeah, they, whenever they bring him in the town, they're like, what's your name? And he says Banner. He's like, That's, you don't look like a Banner. Because he's, he's that's like freaking That's when he goes to the place, and they're, yeah. like, and they're like, what's your name? He's like, Bruce. And like, you don't look like a Bruce. Yep. Yeah. And in that's, when what, that's the little town outside of... Right, um, outside of the, the dystopia. Yeah. yeah, it's... The reveal of Hercules is really pretty crazy. And if that is who the maestro is, well, I mean, it kind of makes sense. I mean, he doesn't age. He's a Greek god. He is rival to the Hulk in power. So, uh, yeah, interesting. Uh, you guys score for that book there, Josh? Um, I'm going to give it a weird four. Like, because here's, I was pleasantly surprised. Like, I went into this book, I was like, eh. Because the original maestro story, I was kind of like, eh, whatever. But, like, it's this futuristic Hulk, and like you know, even like the old man Logan and the old man Hawkeye and all that kind of stuff. Like it's a future, like old you know, Hulk's kind of a part of the thing. But this, I don't know, it's kind of neat. Like I'm kind of curious where's it gonna go. Like 
You got some interesting characters because it looks like maybe Professor X, but that could be somebody else. And you got. I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be X. And like him talking all broken like he was, I think it's probably because of the idea of a stroke or something. I don't know. You know, you don't know. You never know. Because when he was in the wheelchair, it'd be blatant, but it also might not be. Because the Hulk and him were never friends. Yeah, I never really thought there was some. So, so it could be somebody, you know, it could be somebody else, you know what I mean? Right. So, I don't know. I was, it could be anybody just in, in a Professor X wheelchair. I mean, that's true. So, it's years in the future. There's a lot of weird questions. Like, you could be like, oh, it's obviously Professor X, but, uh, yeah, I, I think it's him just because he says he knows everything, but at the same time, he's also talking all broken. That could have been anybody. It's so funny when he's like, you mean Oscar the Grouch? It's hilarious. But that could be that could be almost like he's. Got, I mean, he's got hair. Professor X doesn't have hair. That's true. He does. So I'm saying so. Yeah. And I mean, there's just I don't know because in, in in the same room you got like Spider Man's mask, you got the Vision's head, you got Warlock's head, you got like the broken sword, um, you got like Wolverine's skeleton, um, you got Magneto's helmet. I mean, it, it really could be anybody. It could sure. be. I no, I don't know. I the collection of things he has is a weird menagerie of like hero parts. Like who's been friends with the Hulk in the past? That yeah, I, don't, I, mean, I guess it could be Doc Samson. Yeah, it could be Doc Samson. They call him Gramps, but it, I mean, it could also be like yeah. Tony Stark. You know, it could, could be because in the way way back you have you know uh, Winter Soldier's arm, right? You know, Spider Woman's costume. We got a picture. You know, I I know it just there's so many hints. The Thor's hammer is in one part. Yeah, it's it's as far as the thing. I don't feel like they said who he was in the first book, and I don't even know if we see him in the first book. But yeah, it's a, it's an interesting question. So I don't know. Like, it's enough questions, and the writing is just good enough to keep me interested. And like, which is pretty cool because it's like it's an issue two. So that means like issue one might, I would think, be better. You know, I haven't actually read issue one, but so I don't I don't know that. I have been told that it was good, and. uh but I liked this issue a lot, which, like, coming into it, like, I knew nothing, and I was like, oh, here we go. I, I wasn't excited to read this book, and then I was like, wow, that book was good. Which, you know, when that happens, that's good stuff. So I'll give, I'll give it a solid four. Cool. But yeah, it's a, it's a five-part miniseries, so it's it's not an ongoing, so that's inter- that'll be... At some point, we'll get some type of answer. Whether that means we eventually get to the old angry maestro, which is the Hulk, or if it's something different. So I guess we'll see. Um, yeah, I give it three and a half. It was really good. Like, art's good. The story's interesting. There's enough recognizable stuff that it's easy to figure out who things are. Save for the question of the do with the menagerie of uh, all the heroes stuff. Land villain stuff, too, because it has bad guy stuff in there, too. So other than, like, not knowing exactly who that is, the other stuff was fairly easy to piece together. And as far as, like, a story, it, it's pretty neat that we see all the monuments. And, like, just, like, his retrospect on the world is pretty cool. So yeah, yeah, score-wise, um, I gave it three and a half. Um, yeah, interesting to see the next book. I mean, the next book does show that cover where it's that dude basically facing down the Hulk, so it'll be interesting to see who that winds up being. I mean, his menagerie of uh, of weird things or items does beg the question. Because he is driving around Professor X's chair, but that doesn't mean anything because there's another chair there, too. And you're right, the hair... Yeah, I don't know. It, I'm sure that's what the mystery is supposed to be. So, right. so we're going to move into the uh, the homesick pilots from Image Comics. Uh, this is issue number one. 
Uh, we actually got to review this thing as an early review. The book itself won't actually release until December 9th, so here in about three weeks it actually comes out. So yeah, an early preview of that. And this is written by Dan Waiters, and the art is by Caster Wingyard. I'm pretty sure that's how you say it. I mean, I might be wrong if it's finished, and that makes sense. Anyway, um, this is from Image Comics, uh, issue number one. And when we first open up, we have a, uh, a shot of, like, a pier out by the water with a big, uh, Ferris wheel next to it. And we have a voiceover going on, and it, the voiceover says that I can't move. And I try to move left, I try to move right, and then nothing happens. And we see, like, what looks like a, a street, just like a kind of California style, all the, foliage and stuff looks like California and it's a, a sunset and we're like in a neighborhood and in the next bubble we see a, a what looks like a giant house on a hill with a huge crazy light coming out of the window and it says and then I scream and we see the house kind of exploding on top a little bit like fragments flying off of it and it tells us that we are in a Santa Manos and this is July 18th 1994 and then from there, we cut back to like a, a street that's got people on it and cars. And it talks about how, as I, as I move, I talk to all the spirits in the house. I, but I get lost in the walls and the pipes. And then we all move as one. And then we see the same street with everyone looking in the sky kind of crazy. And this giant, like, wooden footstep down. And, uh, then we see the light that was the top of the house, the, the, I guess it's not called a spire, but the, the very top of a house, I can't remember whether you even call that, the top window, like the creepy one, and it's all lit up, and it says, and then I lose control, but I, but I have to recalibrate, I recalibrate the ghosts, and we move together in a balance, and then we pull back, and we see this is the house that was on the hill, just now with crazy arms and legs walking through the city. And we see a shot of what must be inside, and we have this girl who's all colored in white, and uh, just in the middle of the house, sort of, not like connected to anything, just sort of floating there. And then uh, it says, man, I really wish we wouldn't have gone to the last show of the Nuclear Bastards that night. And we cut from there to a scene of the same girl, just in full color, not all whited out, and looking normal instead of ghostly. And she's like, oh, the nuclear bastards, they are terrible. And we cut to a shot of a, a guy on stage screaming into a microphone with a girl playing a bass guitar, and uh, the caption tells us the last show of the nuclear bastards a few weeks earlier. So we move back in time, and we are at a punk rock show. And we cut back and we see... Our main character is standing there with these two other dudes, and they're all giving their retrospect on the show. And one's like, oh, they're not playing with enough heart. They're not really trying hard enough. And the other one's like, it's a pretty cool venue, though. And we pull back to see that they're inside of what looks like a bowling alley. I mean, that is what it is. They're inside a bowling alley, and there's a whole bunch of people in there. And they set up a makeshift stage, and a bunch of the equipment is still there for the alley. And it's it's a punk rock show being thrown in a, in a abandoned building is what it is. And we cut to the side, and we see one of the fellas takes a dry-off cigarette, and he says, we really need to throw a show to rival this. we we got to throw a show that can really show all these people what the the home, homesick pilots is really about. And we cut over to the girl, and she says, man, 
we should throw a show in that house that kills people, the haunted one. And then the, the next page is entirely black. And it's just, there's just writing on it. And the writing basically gives us the idea that this old house, which was the James house, apparently some folks died in it and it's been deserted and the, and the entire city feels like it's an eyesore, but no one's been able to do anything about it or wanted to do anything about it. And we cut back into the the show and the two boys are like, oh, I, I mean, maybe we could try to do that. That'd be a show that would rival all shows. And uh, next thing you know, the cops have been called um, and everyone has to run and scatter. And as they're running, they, one goes through the window, the other two look at each other like, oh, I told you this was going to happen. Uh, the group of them had placed a bet previously as to what was going to happen. If it, the show would end because it just ended because the show was over, if the cops were going to be called, or if there'd be a fight. And of course, uh, this particular fellow won because it's the cops. And so as they're running, one of our guys goes out the window, and he gets grabbed by a cop who's trying to drag him back inside, and he kicks the dude in the face and jumps out the window, and could they all flee, and uh, the one's like, oh, I can't believe you kicked the cop. And he's, he's like, oh, he, he's not going to remember me next week, it's fine. Uh, so we regroup with our group of characters, our two boys and the girl, um, on the pier now, and they're all talking about how, oh, the show is just okay, and we got to figure out a way to make people recognize who we are, and, and this is where we learn everybody's name. And so we we have uh, Aminda, who's our girl. They call her Amy, A-M-I, and then Buzz and Rip. And uh, as far as the band's concerned, we have a bass player, a drummer, and a guitarist and a singer, right? So the group's a three-piece band. And uh, she says, man, we really seem to try and make this show happen at the haunted house. He's like, I don't know if that's such a good idea. I mean, I I was in in a home with one of the boy, one of the guys that got killed up there, and she's like, no way. He's like, oh yeah, it was crazy. Everyone thought he ran away, and he was missing for weeks. And then when he finally came out of the house, he'd been he'd been like starving and claiming he was trapped inside, and the dude died on the front step. Then when they went and looked inside the house, they could see that right next to the door there were finger claws all over the wall, like someone was trying to get out. And she's like, oh, that doesn't sound like it's real. He's, he's, are you being serious? He's like, yeah, I'm telling you, the dude was in the halfway house I lived in. And uh, about that time, the other band shows up, the Nuclear Bastards. And they're, they're a four-piece band, a chick guitarist, or no, bass player, because um, we saw her earlier. And of course, they just start tracking trash to each other, you know, rival band style. And uh, as far as the uh, conflict's concerned... They're all in high school, and they all go to the same high school, and the lead singer of the Nuclear Bastards is a dude named Robbie, and Robbie's a real jerk. And so he, of course, starts in talking trash, and eventually it leads to him throwing a punch at, uh, at at one of our guys. And the first one, of course, misses real easily, and the second one hits him. And uh, about that time, his bass player, the blonde girl, grabs a hold of him and is trying to drag him off. She's like, knock it off, Robbie. And... uh Amy is like, get off my, get off my drummer. And so she comes with the girl and it just turns into like a little scruffle. And then, uh, after they finally pull Robbie off and he's been, he's been punched in the face once, he's like, oh, that's the crazy girl, the one that killed her parents over a dollhouse. And, uh, they're like, we're out of here. And so the nuclear bastards go to leave. And, uh, Amy spits at him, but she only spits so far as to spit on her own shoe. And she's like, oh, God, that, that went really bad. And then she looks at the boys and she's like, is everybody talking about me that way? That I killed my mom? And they're like, oh, well, we weren't going to tell you, you know, we just figured 
Eventually it blow over. You know how school is. And, of course, she's all hurt and upset because both of them know that people have been talking about her mom's death. And, like, the thing with this group, like, their whole band name is because they're all basically orphans at this point. Like, they live with families that aren't their families. So their homesick pilot's name is a reference to that idea. And she's like, oh, I'm out of here. And she takes off. And we follow her to where she's sitting out front of the home she's staying in. And she's smoking a cigarette and talking to herself about how they're going to respond. And she comes home late smelling like cigarettes. And she's a terrible child. And she just doesn't want to deal with that drama. So she decides she's going to go up and see the house instead. She's going to go check out the James house, the haunted house. And eventually we get to the house and she climbs the fence and goes inside, and uh, after the door, when she first walks up to the door, the door opens itself, and she's like, that's weird. And then she lets herself inside. So next page is a totally black page also, and it just is full of more inner monologue, and it talks about how she felt about the house, and she was, she was in all honesty really afraid of the big bad house, and it was empty and rotting, and she felt empty inside. So she remembers that the two of them what she thought about the house and what she feels inside of herself after her mom died was like the same thing. She thought she just couldn't imagine being something like that and never having hope again. It was something that she could feel in the house that felt equal to her. And then uh, we cut to the shot outside the house. And then she's like, oh, and then I couldn't feel anything at all. And we see the, the top light on the top spire of the house light up. So this is the window before that we saw the crazy beam shooting out of. And then slowly the sun comes up, and the light goes out. And we're at the next day. And we join uh, Buzz and Rip, and the two of them are at the house out front. They've come looking for Amy. And uh, while they're out there, they're like, she couldn't have come here. And like, she's been missing since last night, and this is what she was talking about. And then they find her skateboard, which was left out in the front yard. And so they're like, well, she has to be here, and her skateboard's here. And so they go up to the door and try to open it, but of course the door won't open. So Buzz rams it a few times with his shoulder, and he's like, my God, this, this, it's crazy. This, I can't get this thing to budge at all. Well, we saw the previous night, when she just walked up to it, the door just opened itself. So that's different, and pretty creepy. Um, so the two of them decide they're going to help each other climb up to the second story to go in the, the open window. Because the house itself, is, it's broken down. Everything's, like, the windows are kind of smashed. It's, it means it's an old wreck. So two of them finally get to the second floor, and they go in through the window, and they're looking around in the building, and, like, everything's been gutted. There's very little as far as things left in the house. I mean, fixtures, there's a sink, but uh, they even talk about somebody having taken the toilet, like the toilet seat. Who does that? Um, well, then we cut downstairs, and we see somebody else has come to the house as well. Uh, so nuclear bastards, they have let themselves in, and they have just come in through the door like it's no problem. And so they are on the ground floor... Whereas the uh, homestuck or the homesick pilots are on the second or the second floor, so the two groups kind of walk around looking for each other, and uh, <clears throat> our boys make it to the tops to the top floor, and uh, eventually they hear the other people in the house, and so they come downstairs and they find Robbie and his gang in the kitchen, and uh, of course it turns into some more ta- trash talk. And they're, they're both like, oh, so where's your, uh, where's your, where's your fiery crazy girl? And they're both like, she's been missing since last night. Do you guys have any idea where she's at? And the bass player girl is kind of like genuinely concerned. And Robbie's like, we don't care. 
no one cares about that girl. And uh, she apologizes to both the boys for being there. And then Robbie says, "Ah, you know, I want to score some. Uh, I want to score some weed. Do you have do you have some drugs?" And uh, well, it turns out Rip just happens to also be a drug dealer. He's like, "Yeah, I got you, man." And uh, of course, that makes Buzz be like, "Dude, what are you doing?" He's like, "I sells a sell, man." And at that point, Robbie pulls out a little knife, and he's like, "Oh, I'm not selling. I'm not buying anything. You're giving it to me." And so he basically starts to threaten him with a knife, and. Uh, of course, he takes it like he's just being a showboat and he's not going to do anything with it. And then the dude stabs him in the arm, like cuts his shoulder. And as he, as Robbie's standing there holding his knife, yelling at how terrible they are and how he's going to kill both of them, and all of a sudden we see the house sort of shift, and then a bunch of pipes from the walls come flying out and they just shred the dude, like uh, almost like tentacles, but pipes. And uh, everybody freaks out, and the uh, of the band, the other two members, not the bass player, the other two members kind of run for, towards Robbie, and all the pipes take them out, too. Like, one dude's head gets completely popped off. It's it's crazy. And so that leaves Buzz and Rip and uh, the blonde bass player all sort of, like, huddled together trying to get out. And they run for the front door. Of course, at this point, the front door is just gone. And uh, they they say, oh, well, let's go through the kitchen window. And so they turn back around and they run the other direction. And at that point, one of them gets pulled into the floor. It's uh, Buzz the drummer, the dude with the little beanie. And uh, as he's watching, like, we see all this crazy shift in the whole building. Like, it's like the hallway's twisting. And uh, they eventually pull him out of the floor and all of them run out to the door. And we see the last member of the other band, <clears throat> the... Uh, the drummer, I guess, reach for the door and they get pulled inside of it. And next thing you know, a, a sea of blood comes flying out and it soaks both of our guys in blood. And then we cut to another black, black page that has some more inner monologue talking about feeling lost and about not knowing what was going on. And then we cut from there to a high rise hotel. And inside the high rise, inside this particular hotel, we have, we're in our hotel room with a blonde lady who's talking about how everything works so perfectly for her and how life has unfolded itself amazingly since, since she found her magic horseshoe. And everything goes really well and everything works perfectly, but inside she feels nothing. It's all been since she found that horseshoe at the uh, thrift store in a small town. And it happens to be the same town that our band is from. Well, she comes into the next, to the other room, and inside the other room is this handsome-looking dude in a pair of skivvies. And he's like, um, there's something going on with your, um, horseshoe. And the horseshoe's sitting in the middle of the room, floating, with a crazy white glow. And, uh, all of a sudden they hear a knock on the window. They're in a high-rise building. Somebody knocking on the window doesn't make any sense. Uh, so both of them turn to the window, and, uh, it slowly opens itself up. And it is our Amy... Just all ghosted out. Her colors are very white neon. And she's like, ah, sorry to bother you, but uh, I think uh, you're in possession of a horseshoe that was stolen from uh, an abandoned house about a decade ago. Um, I'm going to need that back because it's extremely haunted. And that's where the book ends. So we get crazy bloodbath um, of the rival band who clearly was there to cause problems. I mean, Robbie is definitely a bad dude. It, the rest of them, I mean, not so much. They're just there with him. But it didn't make any difference. This crazy haunted house that, at this point, 
for all we know, is turn Amy into a ghost. Um, but uh, clearly had ill intent for anybody that didn't like what was going on. Uh, as far as like a book, and this particular book actually doesn't come out for another couple weeks. It comes out uh, uh, December tw- December 9th, uh, this, this, coming, this coming December. So it's like a better part of three weeks away. Um, art is great. The story is it's pretty interesting. I mean, as far as the cast, the cast is interesting. As far as writing, it's a mature reader. The language is a little more rough than what I gave you guys. And the art, I mean, like I said, the art is really good. As far as the score, man, I don't know, I give it a 3.75. Like, it's it is pretty good. And, like, I, I like the tone of the book. It's got a cool, like, I don't know, it's got a pretty cool, like, punk rock vibe to it. The idea of it being a 90s book, time frame-wise, is interesting. Uh, the horror story element, I'm not exactly sure how far that's going to go as a thing, but it, it, best I can tell, and I, now, I did get to read a preview of issue two, so issue two gives us a lot more about the house and what it really wants, and, uh, it's going to be using her basically as a path to try to reclaim all the pieces that have been taken from it, and it turns out most of those pieces may be haunted with individual ghosts themselves. So, uh, that's interesting. So, like, very Shining-like. But yeah, I give it three and three, three, seven, five. I, I thought it was really good. Josh, do you know anything about the Homesick Pilots? You know, the, the house itself reminds me, uh, uh, A Thief of Always. It's an old book by Clyde Barker called The Holiday House. So, the house itself reminds me of that a little bit, um, a little bit of, it's definitely influenced by that. I mean, they can say what, yes or no about that all they want, but it's for sure definitely that way. But, um, not like obviously for sure, like that whole thing, but, um, well, the idea of like what you're saying, you know, haunted house thing. Yeah. Makes sense. Well, it's called holiday house. It's just like where, you know, people go in the house has like a, a mind of its own kind of thing. And it's ranch is this and that. Like, so it can, like, but, um, cool book. Curious about it. Like it's kind of horror, kind of adventure, kind of, you know, like that, uh, indie. Flavor with like the bands and things like that. Like, curious to see where it goes. Uh, I'll give it a three and a half. Um, I love the art in it and, uh, story's interesting. We'll see where it goes. Again, with indies like that, like, I always no worry because it starts off hot and then it gets like, it fades real quick. So, like, whether it's a, because it's probably, this is probably isn't an ongoing. It's probably a mini series, I would think, because it doesn't seem like it, it would be an ongoing. I don't, um, I don't think they've actually announced whether it is or not. I mean, image occasionally they start books like that and then they turn into five or ten parts or whatever. I would think it's a, it's three to five at the most. It seems like it's kind of, kind of be like a, a, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, I don't know. It makes sense if it was a mini, but I don't think they've actually said that. I don't remember if they said that or not. Um, I know there's at least three books, so they solicited three, so. Well, yeah, but, I mean, curious about that, but, um, it's good. Cool. So. Right on. Uh, well, uh, what'd you learn today, Josh? What I learned today? Uh, man, I don't know. Coffee doesn't always save the day. <laughs> it is a rough situation with that. That's true. Yeah. Um, yeah. What did I learn today? I don't know. You don't remember what Professor X has hair. I mean, surprised <laughs> you're like, oh, he's old now and he has hair again. I'm like, oh. Man, I didn't even think about that until you said that, actually. Mm-hmm. Like, the chair alone is what sold me on him being X. And then after, after a review of it a little bit, now, now I'm, I'm not, I'm not so sure. Plus, if you're in the apocalyptic future, like, and you found a chair that floats on its own, wouldn't you want to just hang out in it anyway? That's definitely true. I would definitely want to use it for sure. Uh, let's see. Well, do you have any uh, do you have any books to watch there, Josh? Uh, books to watch. 
Hmm. I don't know, some interesting things going on in G.I. Joe. Coming up, I like this Maestro book. Still the, the life, the life, secret life of the Fabius Killjoys or whatever. Oh, yeah. Still good stuff on there, on that end. But, uh, that's kind of where I'm at right now. Sure. Like, yeah, this, I, I like one, a book to watch for me. It was one that we did tonight. Like, I was kind of surprised at how good this Maestro book was to me. Right. Very enjoyable. Um, yeah. Right on. Um, let's see. Well, book wise, I mean, we got a whole bunch of stuff getting ready to happen with the, uh, King and Black. Uh, I think one of those will be really awesome is the, uh, Gwenum versus Carnage. Uh, it's a three part miniseries. We haven't had Gwen in a batch of books in a minute. Part of that's because of COVID and the world being weird. But, uh, we've never had Spider Gwen actually deal with Carnage. So I think that'll be really cool. And it's still her as the, Gwenum, so she's the Venom Gwen. So I think that'll be really cool. Uh, looks neat from the preview pages. It looks cool. And then uh, there's a book called Miskatonic that's coming out from uh, Aftershock. And uh, we might might do that one next week, maybe, because issue one's coming out. And it's uh, it's about... It's, it's set in the 1920s. And it's about a lady investigator gets tasked by J. Edgar Hoover to stop a bombing... But uh, in her investigation, she stumbles into, like, a crazy cult-type thing going on. The art for it, the preview pages look really cool. And, like, that style, the 20s look to things, I think I like a lot, actually. So I'm pretty stoked for that thing. Um, I think it should be pretty cool. Aftershock puts, puts out a bunch, bunch of books they are pretty good. They're a little overlooked because they're kind of like a smaller image company. But uh, recently we've had a couple books get picked up by, by uh, different... Uh, different uh producers to turn into things so one of theirs is i want to say it's called the living blood no only blood something in blood that uh got bought up the rights i guess by norman Reeves to turn it into some type of show or something i can't remember what the name of it is it's something blood ah, i don't remember anyway norman Reeves bought the rights to it and do something with it so i guess we'll see what happens with that um, other than that, I think that was it. I mean, if you want to follow us on other media, uh, you can find me on Instagram at Top5ComicsCBS uh, from drawings and pictures and stuff. Uh, Josh, we can find you. Uh, Wendell24, W-I-N-D-L-E-24 on socials. And then we have uh, links to all of our different stuff on the Top5ComicsPodcast.com. I can go there and find links to, of course, this. Uh Links to uh, our other podcast, Never Been Done Podcast, uh, movie reviews, comedy shenanigans. Uh, then we have Action Figure Deconstruction, which is a YouTube show dealing with action figures and reviews for them. Don't you have a newer episode up that's uh, up now, the Storm Shadow? Yep. From the G.I. Joe. Um, Classified series. Which one? Classified, yeah. It was, and then uh, you were working on... One that we'll finish hopefully in the next couple of days. Maybe, yeah. Uh, we have a cool one. We're, fin- we're finally touching on this this type of action figure. I don't want to give yeah. it, but I think it'll be it'll be it'll be cool. I think. Yeah, maybe maybe next. It'll be soon. How about it'll, be it'll be soon between this podcast, the new action figure deconstruction, and um, the Never Been Done podcast we record tomorrow. Right. Um, it'll have to tide you over until after Thanksgiving because uh, next week we have. Um, we won't do recording anything, so. 
Yeah, check uh, so out we'll the action figure stuff. Go play all that stuff. So we'll take a week off, but um, either that and then go back and listen to some older episodes if you if you're not caught up, be a good time. Sure. Uh, you can also find links on there to our buddies' uh, hot sauce review show, School Billionaires, and uh, the Anime 2050s game game reviews and game playthroughs. Is he still doing that? Um, I haven't seen anything recently, so I don't know. It's still up, so I mean, check it out. You can use whatever following he gets. Yep. I think that was it. Uh, anything else, Josh? No, I don't know. All right, to keep? Nope. Um,